could switch off the power during the opening ceremony, which would be watched by an audience of around a billion people. One person involved describes contingency plans being put in place with the clock ticking. Officials say they were confident they could have dealt with the threat. Even though it never materialised, the episode does highlight growing concerns over the possibility of cyber attacks against parts of the critical national infrastructure on which daily life depends. Councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners over Wolverton Station's revamp at a cost of millions of pounds. That's the view of several former employees in reports and emails seen by BBC Three Counties Radio. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes has more. The project should have cost just over £300,000 but it's ended up at nearly 3.5 million. Former officers who had senior roles in the scheme said they were put under political pressure to complete the project quickly against their better judgment. It meant they didn't have the time to rigorously check the costs of the redevelopment of the station. Hitchin residents are questioning a new scheme giving parents of local school children free town centre parking. In a bid to cut congestion after the expansion of Samuel Lucas School, parents will be issued with permits to park free for two hours. A year after the Olympic torch lit up the streets of Beds, Hearts and Bucks, our sports team are retracing the route to see how the London Games inspired local people. You can hear reports today and tomorrow from Jeff Doyle and Luke Ashmead as they cycle more than 150 miles on the anniversary of the torch relay and examine the sporting legacy. Speaking Sport because they can. Andy Murray wasn't the only sportsman to end a personal wait for success on home territory yesterday. The world championship leader Sebastian Vettel of Milton Keynes-based Red Bull won the German Grand Prix. The weather dry, hot and sunny with a top temperature of 29 degrees Celsius. That's 84 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Catherine, Catherine, Catherine. Yes? Give us your best Judy Murray impersonation, please. Hey Andy, what about my hug? <laughs> He ignored her. He ignored his mum. Did you see that? The girlfriend, who, let's be honest, is an eight. He's a five. Got a very, very brief look in. His mum got nothing. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's nice weather, isn't it? Sunday for me was proper, proper summer Sunday. My two young lads running around in their pants... In the garden, chucking water at me. Perfect! Perfect! Oh, we were having water fights. I was not in my pants, don't worry. I was naked. No, I wasn't. I'm never naked. Hate it. But it was fun! So there's a slight sparkiness. A little perkiness. A frisson about the show this morning. I don't know if it'll last beyond 20 past six, but we'll we'll have a go. We'll see if we can take it up to nine. Lots coming up in the show this morning, as always. Be good to uh, get your opinions on some of these. Cracking story. Going to bring you news of allegations that councillors in Milton Keynes put staff under so much pressure to deliver big building projects that corners were cut and there were large overspends. And when I say large overspends... I mean large overspends. Murray Mania has hit the United Kingdom. But are you as excited as everyone else seems to be? Has Andy Murray's win left you feeling a bit... uh... And parents at a school in Hertfordshire are being given permits to park free during the school run at a multi-storey car park. But local residents have called the scheme in Hitchin unfair and a waste of money. Well, is the school run a nightmare where you live? 
Isn't it great driving around during the school holidays, like at sort of eight o'clock in the morning and, I don't know, half three in the afternoon? Because you, you save about, what, 15, 20 minutes sometimes. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. And uh, before we start, just a, a, a bit of uh, sad news this morning. Unfortunately, Justin Dealey has returned from his holiday. So we'll be hearing more of this. Oh, I'm going to get myself a cheesy crumpet. It tastes really cheesy and good. So I can only apologise in advance. Now, it's been alleged that councillors in Milton Keynes put staff under so much pressure to deliver a building projects, some corners were cut... And there were large overspends. Well, that's the view of ze- several former employees in reports and emails seen by BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm, radio. I'm joined now by our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. Paul, what, what's being suggested here exactly? Well, Ian, this polit- particularly relates to the rebuilding of Wolverton's train station. And uh, that has now come in at more than £3 million over its original budget, which was just over 335000 Hang on, sorry. The, the original budget was £335,000. It's come in £3 million over that. It has, yes. Wow. And bear in mind that budget originally was 10 years ago. Things obviously have changed yep. in that time in the financial climate. Uh, and also, of course, there have been various different changes to the project. A, a more probably accurate budget was around three years ago when they were looking at £2 million. So okay. even then it's still gone a million and a half over that. Now, there was a report into all of this uh, debacle, if you like, in March of this year, a, a sort of a backbench committee of the council which looks at all of the decisions it's made uh, critically, if you like. And at that meeting, discussed the report it was alleged by some councillors that there'd been pressured pressure sort of put on uh, officers of the council those sort of the people who actually do the work if you like by councillors to speed it up some allegations being made about it uh, being pushed forward to, to try and get it done before an election uh, now the committee wanted to know more about that so it went to some of the former employees of the council who'd been closely involved in the project and asked them if it was quote if they were under, sorry, quote, a pressure to award the contract, start work quicker than would otherwise be prudent and or highlight potential overspends, unquote. That's from a, an email from the head of the audit, uh, internal audit, to, to the two people who'd left. And you've, so the, sorry to interrupt, yeah. you've seen these emails, have you, Paul? Yeah, that's right. I've been past these emails and and have actually spoken to both of the former officers as well. And the response is pretty clear. They say there was pressure in one of the emails, quote, significant pressure, said one of the employers, and another said uh, to deliver high-risk projects with reduced finances. They'd said that uh, pressure was exerted to get on with the project, quote, against the better judgment of officers. Uh, and, and they said that they were aware of emails of others telling them to get on with work too. Uh, I've spoken to both of those people. One was the assistant director of high ways and transport the other the project manager so senior people involved in the project neither wanted to talk to us on air however one did confirm to me that there was political pressure put on them to speed the process up and that meant that not all bids were investigated as rigorously as they could have been this was of course a lib dem council at the time of the dis- these discussions any response from them 
None officially. Um, I have spoken to one of the uh, people who perhaps was sort of quoted at. There was a, a Lib Dem, a, a, sorry, a Labour press release about this last week, uh, which we sort of had a, a look at, and, and they named, uh, or they didn't name, they, they, they referred to one of the ward councillors in Wolverton. And I've spoken to him, and he said that he was uh, quite happy with the pressure that he applied. He felt it was appropriate to ask officers who are running a, a quote, long-delayed project to get a move on, really. And he also said that he was suggesting at the time that there was an internal audit inquiry he said that not only was i one of the ward councillors in the area why shouldn't i push for a long delayed project to get underway it'd be you know what you would expect of a local councillor to get on and try and put pressure to apply you know to get on with it really uh, but he was also one of the cabinet members of the council as well no you know nothing suggesting that there was perhaps anything wrong in that but that was certainly uh, one of the reasons that was uh, quoted in that meeting that that the political pressure had been applied and perhaps people felt under pressure to get on with things at the behest of actually you know looking into the full picture if you like any other interesting bits and pieces to come out of this well, one email uh, in suggests that people at London Midland, which is the train company, uh, which sort of operates from uh, from Wolverton, didn't want the station to go ahead. They said that the, the loss of some parking spaces was a bit of an issue, and that was actually a factor in the delay of the car park being finished. And uh, changes were actually made at the last minute, and almost became a showstopper. Was the line from one of the emails, so perhaps suggesting that uh, that the pr- train company was also sort of getting uh, a little bit frustrated. And this, I suppose, combined with the audit committee report from a few months back suggests that the whole process has been quite flawed and that's probably an understatement and and unfortunately it's the taxpayers of milton Keynes who've got to foot the bill for it paul scoyne thank you very much uh, indeed for that we'll have more on that uh, well incredible um uh, story a little bit later on in the show oh eight four five nine four double five five double five the big news of course this weekend was andy murray's win the question i want to ask has andy murray's win left you feeling a bit uh, 08459 455 555. You spell it M E H. That's how you spell.
Now that is literally a song. A song. Should we do the front pages? Won't take long. Andy Murray. There we go. That's it. <laughs> That's it. The front. And listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not like. I, I'm not all grumpy because he's won. Congratulations. Well done. A man won a tennis game. That's brilliant news. It's really good news. But. It, it does nothing for me. Producer Tara said, well, surely everybody must be uh, pleased about it. I'm not pleased. I'm not displeased. It's not touched me. I watched oh, I watched the last um, point that went on for about 15 minutes just because I happened to wander in from the garden it was on. It was obvious he was going to win. I thought, well, I'll watch it. Because it, it, it will be historical if indeed a sporting achievement can be classed as history. I don't know. But uh, uh, it's left me feeling a bit... Uh, Okay, well done. A millionaire has won a lot more money. Congratulations. Am I the only one? Am I the only one? I saw on Twitter there was a little bit of, oh, the BBC keep banging on about Andy Murray. Oh, for goodness sakes, not everyone likes sport. Am I the only one or am I being Mr Grumpy Boots? Could you give me a call, please? 08459 455 555. Got a text here, Julie Morris-Smith, who makes nice tiffin. Ian, you've really got in for Andy Murray, haven't you? Don't be such a misery. Last week you were convinced he'd lose, and today you think his victory leaves us feeling a bit blur. Not blur, meh. No, it was a great match and a fantastic achievement. So sort yourself out, excuse me, and feel proud we finally won Wimbledon. Well, Julie Morris-Smith, we didn't win Wimbledon. And by the way, when Scotland get independence, we, we, what does that mean for us? It means nothing. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Now, major roadworks are starting off in Dunstable today, taking place across the summer. Pointers Road is closed for major reconstruction works and repairs. It's shut between the A505 at the Pointers Road roundabout by the Tesco there and Wheatfield Road and Ports Avenue at the Woodside Industrial Estate. So it's right on the uh, the Dunstable-Luton border. It's likely to cause some delays on the diversion route and through Houghton Regis, Dunstable and probably Lucy Farm and Luton as well. Access to homes and businesses is going to be maintained, but effectively the road's going to be shut off now until mid-September. The diversion takes you down the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. Speed Centre's not picking up any delays so far this morning. Everything moving well on the M40 and the M25, even through the roadworks there. And on the trains, it's a bit of good news first off. We did have a signalling problem at King's Cross Station earlier this morning, but First Capital Connect have got that sorted quite quickly, and trains are running to and from Stevenage now with no problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. More from him in 15 minutes. Right, right now it's 6.17 or thereabouts. It's Monday the 8th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Friends, family and supporters of Andy Murray have been celebrating late into the night after he became the first British tennis player to win the men's singles trophy at Wimbledon for more than 70 years. Councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners over the Wolverton Station revamp, leading to a multi-million pound overspend. In sport, Red Bull Sebastian Vettel has a 34-point lead at the top of the Formula One Drivers' Championship after winning the German Grand Prix for the first time. The weather today in beds, hearts and bucks, dry, sunny, hot. With similar high temperatures to yesterday, maximum temperature is 29 degrees, that's 84 in old money. Coming up, I'm sorry, Justin Dealey is back. 
Ireland. BBC Three Counties Radio. I thought Sophie and Kelly did such good jobs last week as well. Who can forget this time last year? I'm looking down on Gail M's running through central Milton Keynes. The Olympic torch relay lit up beds, hearts and bucks. When you had that flame, it was you. In the whole of the world, you had the Olympic torch in your hand. Today and tomorrow, we'll be cycling the torch route and speaking to people involved in the sporting legacy. What we need to do is work very, very closely with the local clubs and schools to start to develop the sport of grassroots. Follow us throughout the day and find out just how the Olympics inspired sport for all of us. As soon as it started we signed up and done it on the first day. Three Counties Sport cycle the Olympic torch route today and tomorrow here on BBC Three Counties Radio. We'll be catching up with those prime examples of uh, men about uh, well probably about four minutes uh, time now the front and back pages of today's papers tell the story everyone's talking about this morning or are they? History in uh, in his hand, says the mirror, as it pictures Andy Murray holding the Wimbledon Trophy aloft. Champion, the wait is over, and the Express hammers the point home with Magical Murray, first British man to win Wimbledon in 77 years. Well, this is the moment that the dream became a reality and other clichés. Oh, this famous old centre court could be about to go crazy. <laughs> Murray serves. Here it is, here it is. Forehand from Murray, backhand from Djokovic. Into the net! Murray's the Wimbledon champion! It seems ludicrous to say it! Six Quiet, please. And Andy Murray, 6 4, 7 5, 6 4, has only gone and done it. I don't hate him. Don't, please don't think this is Murray hatred because of his um, anti uh, English comments a few years ago. It's none of that. It's just leaving me feeling a bit. Uh, well, Justin Dealey has returned from his holiday looking like a salmon, and this has been his first assignment. Good morning, JD. Justin! 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 Look at that, he's back, and he's already ruining my radio show. Justin Dealey? No, he's not there. You see what I mean? Isn't that awful? Isn't that awful? What a charlatan. We didn't get this last week with Solaria. We certainly didn't get this last week with Kelly Betts. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double. Is he there, Dealey? Hello, Ian. What, what an awkward start. It was nothing to do with me, I can assure you. Are you I'll sure? Get the staff these days. Yeah, yeah, you are the staff, yes, Justin. Yes. You are the staff. How are you, boss? Yeah, good, thank you. Nice holiday. Yeah, very nice, actually. Yeah, very nice indeed. It was just a shame when you you spoke to people and you told them what you did. You worked for the BBC. Oh, that sounds impressive. Who yeah. did you work with? Ian Lee. Uh, oh. But yeah, apart from that, it was very nice. Actually. Nice, nice. That, and you went with your mum and dad, that right? Yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. You, yeah, you yeah. shared a room with your mum and dad. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yes, and you're in your thirties. <laughs> no problem. There's nothing. There's nothing weird about <laughs> exactly. that at all. We've got a nice relationship. What, there's nothing the weird about a man in his thirties sharing a hotel room with his mum and dad. It's fine. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. What have you got for us? Uh, yeah, talking about uh, Murray. Yep. Um, yesterday, I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. First British winner in seventy-seven years. I went up to the Leverstock Green Tennis Club. You know where I played you a few weeks ago and I thrashed you at tennis. Well, I went back and I spoke to Chris Hall, the chair of the club, and off the back of the victory, she quite simply was over the moon. Do you want me to press the button? Please. We're all just absolutely gobsmacked, I think. Amazed. Um, I mean, we've been waiting 77 years for this, mm-hmm. so, yeah. I mean, we all love our tennis here, so, actually, this is just the icing on the cake. Now, as far as you're concerned, is he Scottish or is he British? 
he's British. <laughs> now he's won, of course. <laughs> if he'd lost, he was Scottish. <laughs> to me, he's always been British. To me, he's always been British. I mean, yeah. he is my favourite tennis player. Mm. So, you know, I'm probably a bit biased, but I mm. think he's absolutely amazing. Yes. I mean, as you say, we waited 77 years for this. Yeah. It's finally happened. It's a historic occasion. But locally, for your club and tennis clubs up and down the country, mm. what do you think this is going to mean now for tennis in this country? I think this is going to have a, an absolutely massive impact on tennis in this country. The LTA are, um, you know, they've set themselves targets to increase the amount of people playing in Great Britain. Um, and I think they're going to hit their targets now. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, for us locally at Leverstock Green Tennis Club, I, I think that we're going to see um, a huge increase in the amount of membership inquiries. And we'll be working hard over the next 12 months to capitalise on that. Absolutely. So Monday morning, are you expecting that phone to be red hot? I'm expecting the phone to be red hot and I'm expecting our website to have a flood of inquiries as well. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we're going to see a real surge in, um, in interest in tennis, absolutely. Terrific. And um, just lastly, Ian Lee was up here with me a couple of weeks ago. Ian played in his best shirt. Um, he wasn't a particularly good player. Can, okay. can anybody, even Ian Lee, who is a sense. terrible <laughs> tennis player, in time become a good tennis player? Absolutely. And any, anybody can become a good tennis player. Well, I mean, we have all ages in this club. This is a, a real community club. Um, yes, we've, we've had children start here when they've been three, four years old. And, um, you know, they, they're now performance players. Um, and that's the coaching that's available here. So absolutely, there's huge opportunities within Liverstock Green Tennis Club. You're buzzing. Go and have a look. I'm going to stop that there. Sorry, I don't need to hear the end. Absolutely ridiculous. Justin, listen, can you do me a uh, favour this morning? Yeah, of course I can, yeah. I'm trying to find people who are feeling a bit... Uh, about Andy Murray. Andy I've got, Murray. I've got a, uh, Andy Murray. Andy. Uh, Sylvie's texted in, Ian, you're not alone. He does nothing for me whatsoever. Can you try and find a few more people who aren't <laughs> all gung-ho about it? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, cheers with this. See you later. Cheers, bye. Ta-ta. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you Tomorrow I'll miss you Pretend that I'm missing the lips I am missing And hope that my dreams will come true And then while I'm away, I'll write home every day And I'll send all my loving to you Close your eyes and I'll kiss you That's a fun song to sing harmonies to, isn't it? 
I won't do it now. There's no need. But now, listen, no yellow jerseys up for grabs, but our intrepid sports team of Jeff Doyle and Luke Ashmead, oh, that's what they do, are on their bikes to ride the length of the Olympic torch relay route. Twelve months on from the wave of pride and passion which swept across the nation. Well, Jeff and Luke will spend the next two days stopping at towns along the route to speak to volunteers, legacy leaders, Olympians and aspiring Paralympians, as well as other people involved in sport. And they should be on the line now. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good morning. morning. Where, where, where exactly are you and what's going on? <laughs> I have no idea where I am and I'm not really sure what's going on. Now, listen, Luke, I'm, Jeff I know can do this. Jeff is fit. Jeff is buff. Jeff, I, I'm worried about you, Luke. You're not no, a well man. No, I am a very well man, you cheeky so-and-so. I'm oh. absolutely fine. I went out the other night and did 11 miles just like that. Yes, that was a pub crawl, though, Luke. That doesn't count. That, yeah, that was actually walking and I had beer in my hand. What's so happening this morning? Over that. Well, we are actually outside Bedford International Athletic Stadium now, surrounded by cyclists who look very professional at the moment, and it's a bit of a worry because we're going to be cycling with them up to Cotton End. There's a whole host of them from the cycling club, and you've got to keep up with them, Luke, because you're doing the first leg. Yeah, uh, the Bedfordshire Road Cycling Club are here. They've assured me that they're going to go at my pace, which means they're going to be going quite slowly, and I have to say, uh, in this uh, first leg. So the first leg, Bedford to Cotton End, and then throughout the day, Cotton End to Letchworth, Letchworth to Stevenage, Stevenage to Welland, Welland to Hatfield, Hatfield to St Albans, St Albans to Hemel, Hemel to Luton. So that's the plan. Now then, somebody else has joined us, haven't they, Luke? Yes. And it's uh, somebody very special. It's Iva Barr, who has uh, done so many marathons, she probably can't remember how many you've done, can you, Iva? And tell us, first of all, how old you are. Um, I should be 86 in October. We're not meant to ask you that, are we? But, we, you know, we've I got to I don't care. You know. <laughs> no, don't bother me at all, no. Well, tw- 12 months ago... Yeah today you were just a little further around that corner waiting to start your leg and carry the torch here what was it like it was just amazing i couldn't believe it and of course when i did the little bit and got here there were hundreds of harriers and other folk all lined up here and all across the road it was pouring with rain it was a terrible day but it was just absolute magic i had no idea that the torch would cause such a buzz because, I mean, it went on for ages after that. I got called into schools and talked to the children and they all had their photograph taken. I mean, while I was here, I didn't get away till nearly two o'clock because people were, well, can, can, I, can my children be photographed with the torch? You know, There was a little baby, six months old, fast asleep. His dad said, well, I'll explain it all to him when he gets... <laughs> and, um, you know, the children were... Well, they were absolutely fascinated by the whole thing. And they, they were really trembling. I mean, don't know what they thought this torch was going to do, you know, but they were so excited. It was and it, gri- it, that it gripped the whole nation, it did it? It gripped us locally and it gripped the whole it nation. It did. It was just incredible. I just uh, had no idea what would, was going to happen, really, or that it was going to be that exciting. Either where's your bike? Where's your I bike? I didn't bring my bike today. <laughs> I don't think I could keep up with these lovely, fit-looking young athletes. Look at them all. I know, I've it's been looking worry. at them and it's making me be, scared. You will be fine. Yeah, Somebody has so. to be at the back, you know. That's my place. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Iva, thanks very much. I appreciate that. It's lovely to see you, Iva. Yeah, um, it's lovely to th- see you. Thanks for taking the time to come out here and talk oh, to us I this morning. Talk to anybody. Do you think we'll be OK? You'll be brilliant. You'll have a wonderful day, all of you. Fantastic stuff. Ivor, thanks very much for coming to join us. Thank you for asking me. Are you nervous, Luke? Look at those fine athletes to our right-hand side. Uh, yes, I am. I am a little nervous, but I've got nervous energy and I'm very much looking forward to it. Mark and the whole of the club are going to look after me, no doubt. 
I'm looking at a picture of both of you gentlemen on Twitter. Yes. Look, why are you wearing gloves? And why are you both wearing jerseys? It's, it's summer out there. And you both, it has to be said, you both look like Greg Wallace from MasterChef. <laughs> both of you doing this photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite remarkable. Go to at BBC3CR on Twitter and have a look. But why are you wearing jumpers? And by the way, can I just say, yes. the start of this, you know, this ride, I'm, I'm feeling yep. nervous, I'm feeling excited. <laughs> yes. And what do I get from you? Luke, you're not a well man. Why are you doing this? <laughs> Listen, are you, are you about to set off now? Yes. So just remind us where you are and where you're going to now. So at the moment we're at Bedford International Stadium yep. um, in in Bedford, of course. Our, our first destination is Cotton End. We're going to speak to some of the cyclists when we get there. Brilliant. And then we're going Letchworth, to Stevenage, Welland, Hatfield, St Albans, Hemel, and Luton. That's day one. Okay. Day two we'll worry about tomorrow. Okay. So uh, yeah, you think you're going to make it? So basically, if if you uh, were planning on driving anywhere near those areas, probably best to stay at home today. Could get a little <laughs> messy. <laughs> Jeff and Luke, speak to you later on. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Traffic starting to build on the M25. It looks a little bit heavy coming into the roadworks section anti-clockwise. That's Junction 25 at Enfield. Then as you continue round, it's a bit slow from St Albans toward Kings Langley. Junction 21A down to 20 the A405 toward the A41. Things moving pretty well on most of the other major routes, though. Certainly no delays yet on the M1 or the A1M. All looking clear on the A5 through Dunstable up past Bletchley and as you make your way in toward Milton Keynes. We've got those roadworks that are starting off in Dunstable. Major works on Pointers Road mean that it's closed between Skimpot Road and the A505 through toward the Woodside Industrial Estate. That's going to be shut off both ways until mid-September. Your diversion takes you down the A505 Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.31, news and uh, sport now with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. The headlines. Friends, family and supporters of Andy Murray have been celebrating late into the, d- the night after he became the first British tennis player to win the men's singles trophy at Wimbledon for more than 70 years. Councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners over the Wolverton station revamp, leading to a multi-million pound overspend. And questions are being asked in Hitchin about a new scheme giving parents of local school children free town centre parking. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. For the first time in 77 years, Britain has a men's Wimbledon champion. Murray serves. Here it is. Here it is. Forehand from Murray. Backhand from Djokovic. Yes. Murray. Murray's the Wimbledon champion. It seems ludicrous to say it. 6 4, 7 5. But a British six, man has just won Wimbledon. And Andy Murray, 6 4, 7 5, 6 4. Has only gone and done it. You heard it there. Murray beat the world number one Novak Djokovic in straight sets to become the first British men's winner since Fred Perry in 1936. And Murray wasn't the only sportsman to end a personal wait for success on home territory yesterday. World Championship leader Sebastian Vettel of Milton Keynes-based Red Bull won the German Grand Prix. To have so many people the whole weekend uh, cheering for you and then especially once the the flag came out to cross the line first and uh, to see on the way in. Uh, the support, uh, you know, especially around turn seven, there were so many people. It's a little bit like a stadium there, so try to obviously um, take it all in and uh, enjoy that. And that's something that I, I think, uh, hopefully one day I can I can tell my my grandchild, grandchildren. <laughs> 
The Lotuses of Kimi Räikkönen and Roman Grosjean were second and third. Lewis Hamilton faded from pole position to finish fifth. However, Red Bull were fined £26,000 after a loose wheel from Mark Webber's car hit a TV cameraman in the pit lane. He suffered a broken shoulder and cracked ribs. In football, Watford played their first pre-season friendly in Italy yesterday and won emphatically. The Hornets beat Valvanosta 5-0 and MK Dons play their first pre-season friendly tonight. They'll take on St James's Gate in Ireland. And that's the latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 7 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. We'll be following Luke and Jeff this morning as they uh, cycle... Um, uh, well, they follow the route of the torch relay. We'll speak to them in about 50 minutes' time. Coming up in the next uh, 30 minutes of the show, we'll be uh, talking about autism. We'll be talking about school parking and the school run. Is it a nightmare where you live? And I'm asking this morning, and please don't think this is me doing one of those negatives. Oh, Andy Murray. Oh, what an idiot. Oh, I hate him. It's not at all. I'm, I'm have virtually no feelings about the gentleman. Just my producer this morning said, oh, nobody could have failed to have been moved by the, uh, yes, with pulling that face. Nobody could have failed to be moved by Andy Murray's win. I kind of went, well, I, I failed to be moved. It, I felt nothing, really. You know, well done. But did Andy Murray's win leave you feeling a bit meh? Julie's texting in again. I think we're having an argument. Julie, call up. If you want to have a fight, let's do it. Man away, woman oh. Ian, I get the Scottish thing about Andy Murray, but we don't excel much in sport. He was decent enough to refer to his win as a British one. Beggars can't be choosers. You might be a misery, but you do make me chuckle. I'm not a misery. I take great offence at that. I'm full of the joys of spring this morning. It's a little bit too hot, if I'm completely honest, but I'm miserable. How dare you?
morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give me a call this morning, you can. 08459 455555. Five. <laughs> I've just sent a very unpleasant message from uh, Catherine Ball. Some of the things that happen here at BBC Three Counties Radio really would, really would make you shudder. Parents in Bedfordshire who've been campaigning against the closure of a specialist unit for autistic children have had some good news. It's a story we covered last week, and now it appears that the Autistic Spectrum Disorder Facility at Lincroft Middle School in Oakley has won a reprieve. The school is run by the Sharnbrook Academy, which says the level of need of many of the pupils is too great for a mainstream school setting. Well, we can speak again to Kate Barnard, who has children at the unit. Morning, Kate. Morning, Ian. Kate, what is the latest development? Because last we heard it was probably going to close. Yes, yes. Um, we had, uh, well, I had an email on Friday from the Secretary of, of the Governors saying that at the Governors meeting on Thursday, they decided they were not going to proceed with the proposal to close the unit. So j- just remind us, let's go back a bit, what were their reasons for suggesting they were going to close the unit? Well, as you said, they were suggesting that the level of need of children was too great for a mainstream facility, that they didn't have the room for the children, they wanted the classrooms back, um, and they didn't want our children there anymore. OK, well, that, that, that's quite a, a, a definitive uh, set of reasons. What's made them change their mind? Well, I think a number of things. One was that um, the reasons that they gave weren't actually true. Um, the level of need of the children wasn't too great for a mainstream setting. Uh, educational psychologists, experts in the area had deemed that those children should be in that type of provision in the first place. Um, and none of the children met the criteria for a specialist school. So really, there is nowhere else suitable for them to go. Uh, I, I would imagine that you, you can enjoy a short breath, minor victory, but you're not resting on your laurels, is that right? Absolutely not. This is the second time in a year that that provision has been under threat. Right. Second time in a year that the parents have had to fight to keep it open. Um, and it's in- extremely wearing on us and on the children. So we're really looking for some reassurance now that this isn't going to rear its head in another six months. Um, because our, our children deserve an education, a suitable education, and we shouldn't have to fight tooth and nail for, for their basic rights. Still meeting with local MPs, uh, Alistair Burton and Richard Fuller, this week. And what are you hoping to get out of them? We're meeting with the MPs, the school and the local authority. Um, we're looking for the school and local authority to show more willingness to work together um, in the interests of our children. Um, that's what we're looking for. And we're looking for an apology to our children, really, for having put them through this again. And when you got the, uh, the email s- saying mm. that the school was, uh, was going to remain open, how did you feel, Kate? When you clicked on that and, and it opened, what, what was going through your mind? Incredibly, incredibly relieved. Um, I can't tell you the relief I felt. We've spent two months, two months emailing, writing letters, looking up legislation, harassing people. So it was a great relief to see that. Obviously, we haven't had an official statement yet. All we've been told is that they're not proceeding. So, Well, that's great news. Kate, listen, thank you very much for joining us, Kate Barnard. Um, and it, I, I guess it goes to show that sometimes, we, we were talking about this last week as though it were a lost cause. The decision had been made. Kate was going to have to teach her kids at, at home. But, um, well, it just shows that if you keep on keeping on, then somet- sometimes it makes a difference. Should we have a look at the front pages? It's tennis. I mean, that's it. You know those, they, a lot of the newspapers 
have got uh, well, the, the mail, for example. Free inside, glorious picture pull-out souvenir. Plus Murray Victory poster. Is there anything more pathetic looking than a poster that's, that's made from a newspaper? It's not glossy, it's a newspaper poster. You see them in windows and you think, oh dear, the souvenir poster. Andy Murray, Wimbledon champion. It's not even a particularly good picture. He looks like Tim Henman in that picture. Doesn't he look like Tim Henman there? He's got shades of the Henman. Does anybody... And I can say this because I know my granddad used to. No longer with us, but I know he would have. Does anybody collect those souvenir pullouts from newspapers? I'm a, I bet the Express have got one as well, have they? Yeah, there we go. It's a souvenir edition. Special reports and pictures. Um, does, does anybody collect those souvenir editions of newspapers? I don't think they do, do they? And also, here we go. Here's something for you, right? Yes, uh, what moment was it? Saturday, the women's final. Um, that uh, Someone remind me of that gentleman's... John Inverdale, that was it, wasn't it? The sports commentator. Uh, made uh, a rather rude comment about Patoli, the, the lady who won Wimbledon, saying something along the lines of, once she won, do you think her dad ever told her she wasn't going to be much of a looker? Right. Now, he said this on Radio 5 Live, on the BBC, right? uh, in 2013. It wasn't 1976, it was this weekend he said it. And, of course, there was a furore, and it caused outrage, and everyone was like, oh, this is disgusting. And, of course, it's disgusting. It was a ridiculous thing. If you listen to the rest of the quote, you can kind of see where his head was going but it was still completely inappropriate and completely wrong to bring her looks into this okay and the girls in the office producer tara Catherine boyle were going yeah, it was disgusting it was disgusting then in their next breath did you see bradley cooper oh my god he looked awful his head's so tiny his head so t- he looks all shriveled bradley cooper of course the, the famous hollywood actor was uh, and, and Gerald Butler were at the, the the men's final. How is it acceptable to go from one breath criticizing John Inverdale, virtually burning their bras in the office? Oh, it's disgusting! Oh, it's tw- and they were really uh, genuinely angry. Then to go, oh, did you see Bradley Cooper? Oh, didn't he look old? His face is all shriveled. Yeah, you're you're right to look embarrassed, producer Tara. You sexist so and so. We're not just pieces of meat, you know. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Pointers Road in Dunstable is shut. They're doing major reconstruction works and repairs, so it's closed between the A505 at the Tesco Roundabout and Wheatfield Road at the Woodside Industrial Estate. It's going to be shut right the way through summer until mid-September. The diversion takes you down the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. The A413 in Buckingham Road works at the minute. Temporary traffic lights up. It's water main work at the total roundabout. Hewenden Road in High Wycombe. You'll find some temporary lights for gas main work near to Belfield Road. On the M25, anti-clockwise, already a little slow coming in toward the roadworks. So from Waltham Abbey to Enfield is a tad busy. And then slow again if you're going a bit further round from St Albans at Junction 21A through to Kings Langley at Junction 20. As for the trains, departure boards for the minute are not showing any late runners. Everything running to time on the trains and the tube into and out of London. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.46, Monday the 8th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Friends, family and supporters of Andy Murray have been celebrating late into the night after he became the first British tennis player to win the men's single trophy at Wimbledon for more than 70 years. 
Councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners in the Wolverton Station revamp, leading to a £3 million overspend. In sport, Formula One champion, uh, world champion Sebastian Vettel of Red Bull held off the challenge of Lotus drivers Kimi Räikkönen and Roma, Roman Grosjean to win his home German Grand Prix for the first time. Coming up, the sky... <laughs> no, I, I don't know if I got any of those names right. Uh, coming up, is the school run a nightmare where you live? Well, one school in Hitchin is introducing a park and stride scheme to try and tackle the problem. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Sorry, Elizabeth, were you waiting for me to to, to introduce you? That was rude of me. Shall I do it now? I'm going to wish all your listeners a very good morning. Well, let me introduce you and then we can do it. Okay. Okay, 6.47, let's get the latest weather from my fourth favourite weather person, Elizabeth Rosini. (laughs) And a very good morning to you. Well, we saw very um, high temperatures yesterday. We got to 26.6 degrees in Bedford, officially 27 degrees. It looks like we're going to see similar looking temperatures today. Um, We'll probably get between 27, even 29 degrees Celsius today. Lots of sunshine around. It's going to be dry and, I dare say, hot as well. Now, a few mispatches around to start with. They'll quickly disperse. And uh, as we head through the morning, lots of blue skies, just a light breeze, feeling very warm, of course. And then overnight tonight, very similar to the night we've just had. A few mispatches forming into tomorrow morning. Temperatures dropping towards the, well, the low to the mid-teens, really. So an uncomfortable night, I dare say, for some. Um, and then to start the day tomorrow, yet more of the same, more sunshine, more high temperatures. Uh, by the time we get to Wednesday, it could turn quite cloudy over parts of Hertfordshire, eastern areas of Bedfordshire I think Um, and we'll also see some slightly cooler air as well but the temperatures will be back up by the time we get to Thursday and Friday and it's looking like another nice weekend a bit later on. Just watch out for the uh, the very high pollen levels hay fever sufferers. I'll hand you back to my um, fifth favourite presenter. (laughs) There we go. Elizabeth Rosini! Me, I know. I believe war has just been declared. (laughs) See you later. Now, now, bye. Now, now. Oh, I like her, really. Oh, wait, 459 555 We'll be talking about the... Oh, the nightmare of the school run. If you live near a school or if you drive within a three-mile radius of a school at about eight o'clock in the morning or at half past three in the afternoon, isn't it just a nightmare? If you want to share your school run stories... Oh, wait, 459 
Three Counties Radio. Did you have a nice weekend? Wasn't the weather great? Maybe a little, maybe a little bit too hot. But 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 it was wonderful. I had a fantastic weekend. My boy, summer for me, uh, it, uh, just is two. My two lads running around in their pants in the garden. Beautiful, and me chucking water at them. Superb, and them coming up to me and pouring water on my head. That uh, is what it's all about. I hope you had uh, as much fun as I did. Now, uh, where parents park during the school run is an issue all over the three counties. It affects people who take kids to school. It affects people who go go live near schools, and it affects you if you're driving to work. And it seems to have caused quite a problem in Hitchin. Samuel Lucas School has been given planning permission to expand, but even at its current capacity, parents say they find it very difficult to find a safe parking space near to the school gates. And now the council have decided to introduce a park and stride scheme. This would see parents being given two hours a day of free parking at a multi-storey car park close, close to the school. But will the parents actually use it? Or will they continue to try and park outside the school, blocking up nearby roads? Well, I'm asking this morning, is the school run a nightmare where you live? Our reporter, Barry Caffrey, has been to speak to parents picking up children from the school gates to find out if they will use this new scheme. I don't think anybody will use it. People park there anyway now, occasionally. I don't think anybody more will use it than uses it now. I don't think it'll make any difference as the old parent who does. Even though you'll be offered free parking for two hours a day, you don't think it's going to be used, no? No, because a few people use it now, it's not going to make any difference having that option. I don't think I would use it, because to be honest, then you have to cross this road, and it's a hectically busy road in the morning. So no, I don't think I would, to be honest. What is it like at the moment then? Are you just going to continue to try and find a space around here? Because even where we are now, it's very congested. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because, um, I mean, I've got a small child as well, so then to drag both of them across a road and um, 
to the school it'd just be just be impossible but I mean at the moment it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous it's just I mean there's ladies that have to come here just after two to get a parking space I think if it was brought in they should really advertise it and probably make parents use it and if they do come in here they should kind of be deterred literally from driving in here I think anybody that lives around here really that can walk should walk really to be honest so you're one of the few that i've met so far walking do you think too many people are are driving too close to school i definitely do i definitely do i'm sure that there's a lot of people who drive unnecessarily around here for sure Well, Councillor Tom Brindley is portfolio holder for Transport on North Hertfordshire District Council. Joins me now. Morning, Tom. You heard there, mixed response. A lot of people saying they won't be using it. Well, we can't make people use it. We can encourage it. I think it does need to be advertised. Uh, It needs to be offered as a safe alternative. I, uh, I think that generally we would always say, if you can walk anyway, don't use your car at all. That's got to be the best route. And, and the school, I'm sure, will have a travel plan uh, which will uh, cover these points. What we're doing, and we're not responsible for uh, this school at all, it's a county issue, but we were approached by the county to say, could we help? We have a car park which has spare capacity at these times of the day. Um, and so by formalising this park and stride and giving it you know, the, the, the nice name, then we hope people will use it. And, and we're really pleased to be partnering with the school and with the county um, in this initiative. How far away is the car park from the school? Uh, I think once you've parked, it, we're only allowing people at uh, this time to park on the upper level, which is the uh, one that's most empty. So uh, I have to be honest, I haven't walked it myself. I would think it's no more than about a five-minute walk. Okay. So it, it's, it's close enough. It's good exercise. Um, it's, it's covered for the first part, and then, yes, it's outside. Um, but, you know, this is England, and uh, uh, we put up with the weather the rest of the time. Um, I think a short walk from the car park to the school and there are crossings and crossing points so yes although there are roads to cross uh, there, is, there is a safe walking route there people are lazy aren't they tom people are lazy they're too lazy and i think you should if you can get, get your kids to walk a, a, a bit of the distance to school but people are lazy and if it's bad weather or if they can't be bothered or they're a couple of minutes late they're just going to drop off drop them off outside the school aren't they is it really going to have any difference tom i hope it does um, as I say, what we can do is to offer the facility and encourage it and leave it to the, uh, the wisdom and sensibility of, of parents to uh, uh, look after and get their children to the school in the best and safest way. But it's a free country. We're not going to force them to, to, to use it. Um, the school can't force them to use it. It can encourage. I encourage them to, uh, to use the park and stride. Um, I think you know, just we're very pleased that we've been able to help in this way. Uh, and uh, you know, let's, let's wait and see. Uh, we've said initially we put these uh, permits in for a year. We will review it after that and see whether or not it's been successful. And if any time during that period we can find better ways to um, advertise it and encourage usage, then, yeah, we will, we will be very happy to do that. Uh, Tom, thank you very much indeed. Tom Brindley there is uh, councillor. Kind of thing, if, if it's not going to be forced upon them, it's sort of pointless isn't it? Really? Oh, I agree. They should set their arms 15 minutes earlier. Then there wouldn't be such a rush. And I do think there was a thing in the paper a couple of weeks ago that uh, the school kids should be dropped off a few hundred yards from the school, at least, to make them walk a little bit more, get a bit of exercise. 08459 455 555. Give me your uh, school-run nightmare stories, please. If you've got... Oh, we'll have that in a bit. Let's go and get the travel, shall we, with Adam? 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers in, slowing up on the M1 southbound, looking a bit busy from the Luton Airport Spur at Junction 10 toward Redbourne at Junction 9. A bit slow on Lynch Hill as well, past Whipsnade, eastbound, coming toward the A5. Anti-clockwise M25, slow moving from Waltham Abbey to Enfield, so that's as traffic makes its way into the roadworks. We've got the 50 mile an hour speed restriction, that's from Junction 25 round to 23 at the A1M. Once beyond there, it slows up again from St Albans toward Kings Langley, and it's slow from Maple Cross to the M40 as well, Junction 17 to 16. Some short delays as you make your way into London through Boreham Wood on the A1, Sterling Corner toward Apex Corner. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Nick's texted in, I definitely wasn't moved by Murray. No interest whatsoever in him or tennis. Well, did Andy's win leave you feeling a bit... uh, Here's the news. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, Murray celebrates Wimbledon win, Milton Keynes officers hit out at councillors and home soil victory for Vettel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray has been celebrating becoming the first British man to win Wimbledon in 77 years. Murray, who beat the world number one, Novak Djokovic, in straight sets, took pride of place at the Champions Ball, the traditional event which brings the tournament to a close. After the match, he spoke about the pressure of being the standard bearer for British tennis. Uh the last four or five years it's been very tough very stressful I think because it's just kind of everywhere you go it's so hard to avoid everything because of how big the how big this event is but also because of the history and not no Brit having won it's been very very difficult I think now it'll become easier I hope it I hope it will a new national curriculum for 5- to 14-year-olds will be published today. Here's our education correspondent, Gillian Hargreaves. The national curriculum covers all the subjects and topics pupils in England must be taught, though academy schools can opt out. Ministers have made it clear they want more emphasis on facts and figures. Primary school children will be expected to learn their 12 times table by the age of 9. There'll be a renewed emphasis on grammar, and evolution will be taught in primary science lessons for the first time. But plans to focus on teaching British history appear to have been watered down. The Education Secretary, Michael Gove, says the new curriculum will reverse what he describes as England's disastrous fall in international school league tables. Councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners over the Wolverton station revamp at a cost of millions of pounds. That's the view of several former employees in reports and emails seen by BBC Three Counties Radio. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes has more. The project should have cost just over £300,000 but it's ended up at nearly £3.5 Former officers who had senior roles in the scheme said they were put under political pressure to complete the project quickly against their better judgment. It meant they didn't have the time to rigorously check the costs of the redevelopment of the station. Hitchin residents are questioning the wisdom of a new scheme giving parents of local school children free town centre parking. In a bid to cut congestion after the expansion of Samuel Lucas School, parents will be issued with permits to park free for two hours. A year after the Olympic torch lit up the streets of Bed Tarts and Box, our sports team are retracing the route to see how the London Games inspired local people. Jeff Doyle and Luke Ashmead are cycling more than 150 miles and Luke should be currently somewhere between Bedford and Cotton End. In sports, Sebastian Vettel has a 30 
34-point lead at the top of the Formula One Drivers' Championship after winning the German Grand Prix for the first time. The Red Bull driver and reigning world champion finished ahead of the Lotus pair Kimi Raikkonen and Roman Grosjean. And the weather, dry, hot and sunny with a top temperature of 29 degrees Celsius. That's 84 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Six times four. Six times four is 24. Seven times eight. Oh, stop it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Nine times three. A lot. Don't ask me any more questions. Well, no. I'm going to. Listen, the reason I'm doing I'm this. I'm really, really bad at maths. Really bad. Well, I'm not bad at maths, but I panic. Four times three. Stop it. That's 12. 12, I know. <laughs> Nine year olds are going to be taught to their 12 times table. Good, they can help me. You're, you're, I mean, what are you, 42 now? And you. <laughs> and you. Not quite. Yeah, yeah, not quite. You can't do it. I can do it. But 11 times 12. Stop it. <laughs> she sounded terrified. I suspect an email may be sent to uh, the authorities at the BBC. That, that could technically count as bullying. I don't know. I don't know. Imagine if, if we were in a private situation in a cupboard, me and Catherine Boyle, and she was saying stop it to me in that voice, and I continued. Oh, dear. Maybe we'll do a bit more of that a little bit later on, shall we? Not necessarily to Catherine. Maybe we'll throw those out at Justin. Nine-year-olds are going to be taught their 12 times table. I remember being taught my times tables when I was five or six by Miss Earl. Do you remember the tune? Two times two is four. Three times two is six. Four. That was the tune, wasn't it, for sums? Hated it. Absolutely hated it. Maybe we'll do some uh, times tables tests a bit later on. Coming up between now and eight o'clock, as well as your nine times tables, we'll bring you news of allegations that councillors in Milton Keynes put staff under so much pressure to deliver big building projects that corners were cut and there were large overspends. And when I say large overspends, I'm talking millions. Murray Mania. It's hit the UK hard, but are you as excited as everyone else seems to be? Has Andy Murray's win left you feeling a bit... Uh... And parents at a school in Hertfordshire are being given permits to park free during the school run at a multi-storey car park. But local residents have called the scheme in Hitchin unfair and a waste of money. I'm looking for your school run nightmare stories. We've all got them. Whether you drop kids off at school... You live near a school or you drive to work at about 8 o'clock in the morning. Don't you notice the difference on the school holidays? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call. This is the best way to do it. 08459 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's been alleged that councillors in Milton Keynes put staff under so much pressure to deliver big building projects that corners were cut and there were large overspends. Well, that's the view of several former employees in reports and emails seen by us here at BBC Three Counties Radio. They relate to the rebuilding of Wolverton's train station, which has now come in over £3 million over its original budget of 337000 Peter Marland is leader of the Labour opposition in Milton Keynes and a Wolverton councillor joins me now. Morning Peter, these emails we've seen suggest there was pressure put on the officers to get things done quickly. Why do you think, what do you think went wrong? 
That's a very good question. Good morning. Uh, there has been an audit report already into this, and it was quite clear that in April 2011, pressure was put on somebody to make a decision to go ahead with the project when budgets weren't properly in place and the project was, let's say, underfunded. And unfortunately, the, it's run over time, over budget, and the taxpayer's been left with a massive bill. Some people might argue, Peter, that um, it is uh, sometimes you need to put pressure on, don't you, to get projects completed, otherwise we wouldn't get anything done. Is, is that fair? Uh, that's absolutely fair, but the question is clearly what's correct pressure and what is undue pressure, and these emails that you may have seen say undue pressure. I think it's entirely right to ask, as a councillor, what's happening why isn't this project being done? But it would be completely inappropriate to say, get this project done because there's an election coming, or get this project done because it needs to be done so I can be re-elected. It, it, it's a question of what is undue pressure, really, and that's why we needed an inquiry external to the council to pick up whether it was undue pressure or whether it was it was correct pressure. So do you think that that's the reason behind all of this, that people wanted uh, this project pushed forward to ensure they would be successful in an upcoming election? I mean, ultimately that's a serious allegation. And what that's, that's what you've just suggested. I'm just, I'm just trying to clarify that. I haven't suggested this. It's a clear suggestion from one of the previous officers in one of the emails, and therefore we need an investigation to see if this claim is valid or if it's groundless, but we can only do that by having an external investigation that looks at these emails and this whole project with a fresh pair of eyes, because ultimately it's the taxpayer of Milton Keynes that's having to pick up a huge bill. If we have an external investigation, the, the taxpayer is going to pick up another huge bill, aren't they? That, that will cost a lot of money. But unfortunately, the capital spend in Milton Keynes on infrastructure is a, is a huge part of our budget. And therefore, we need to know what went wrong and we need to know that it won't go wrong in the future. Now, Is that the way to do these things, though, the, the, Peter? To, to throw more money uh, at a situation that's already cost a lot of money? Will the people of Milton Keynes be happy with that? I think that what the people of Milton Keynes want is to know why a project went wrong, why they're picking up a £2 million bill and that they won't have to pick up a similar bill in future. Without that investigation, without knowing what went wrong, how do we know the next time a project comes along that we won't have a massive overspend? It's happened four or five times now on big projects in Milton Keynes. It's not just the station. There's things like Seclo Gate and there's things like Giles Brook where the taxpayer's been left to pick up a bill. We don't really know what went wrong. Is there a systematic problem in Milton Keynes? And therefore, we need to know what went wrong. So are you suggesting, Peter, that that there is potentially a a fundamental flaw in the way that Milton Keynes has been run over the past few years and that money on this project, the Wolverton Station and other projects, has been wasted? I clearly think that there's there's that view, and that's why we need that external investigation so we can turn around and say things are now being done right or that things are systematically wrong and that the taxpayer won't be left with a bigger bill in future. Are you playing politics, Peter? I wish I was playing politics, but ultimately it's all about the taxpayer picking up a bill for things that we don't know 
what has gone wrong. Peter, thank you very much to Peter Marlin, leader of the Labour opposition in Milton Keynes and a Wolverton councillor. Well, I'm joined now by Phil Marsh, editor of rail.co.uk and currently writing a book about the history of the railways in Wolverton. He joins me in our Milton Keynes studio. Good morning, Phil. You've written about this mess. What strikes you about how it's turned out? Good morning, Ian. It's turned out very badly and the council, like all councils, should not really get involved in projects involving network rail because network rail is funded by taxpayers to the tune of £10 million every day. That's every day of the year. So why councils need to get involved in supporting network rail through infrastructure grants and taxpayers, local taxpayers' money, uh, they shouldn't do it. Why were the council paying for this station? The... The, the local people in Wolverton decided they wanted a landmark station that uh, befits Wolverton's place in railway history. It's the uh, longest continuously open railway works in the world, so therefore, uh, and the first railway town in the world, so therefore it probably should have a decent station. However, things have changed, and, and since 1838 when the railway opened, Wolverton is now a commuter town, not a major intercity station. Had the money been spent on making the station disabled discrimination act um, compliant that would have been a far better way of spending money is it unusual for a station to cost this much when i saw the original budget of three hundred thirty-seven thousand pounds it did sound a little low to me that's what you get for a basic off-the-shelf commuter station that would have given you a ticket office that would have given you hopefully some toilets and and that would have done but because uh, Wolverton, you know, is a landmark place in railway history, uh, the local uh, local groups, the community, wanted a bigger station. Now, going back, I mean, this looks like it's going to end up in legal, uh, in the courts, looking at the 40-page council report. And the council, I have to say, have been very open with me. They gave me an hour of their time talking about it. So it is a systematic failure. Uh, I'm not getting into the, the politi- politics of it because I don't do that. But rail projects are funded with a huge contingency of 40% in terms of time and money and councils should not really get involved in these projects when at the end of the day they're going to hand the building or the asset over to Network Rail. Was it obvious, Phil, sorry to interrupt because we're running out of time, was it obvious, do you think, from the start that um, the the plan was more ambitious than, than was expected and it was going to run over time and over budget? Contracting in the rail industry is a nightmare and if you look at uh, uh, people if people look at the report they'll see that four of the six contractors invited to tender pulled out straight away giving somebody three weeks to put in a tender which they did before the design was finished is a recipe for disaster if you have an extension put on your house you have an architect draw up the plans then you go to tender uh, and and there's no difference to this project phil thank you very much disaster waiting to happen phil marsh there editor of rail.co.uk He's not a disaster waiting to happen. That's what his reference to uh, Wolverton Station. Well, later on in the show, I'll be speaking to the Conservative leader of Milton Keynes Council, Andrew Geary, to what he has to say about these allegations. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, when I mention this Andy Murray thing, this isn't me. Quite often, occasionally on the radio, I will play devil's advocate and I will, will say something uh, to generate, you know, phone calls on your interest. I don't want to give away. T- I don't want to give away too much behind the curtain, but sometimes I do. When I say that the Andy Murray win left me feeling there, eh, I'm not. This is genuine. I came in. Producer Tara said, "Oh, no one could have failed to have been moved by his win." 
all gung-ho as she sometimes gets. And I said, well, I, I, I wasn't moved. Listen, uh, c- c- congratulations, well done. I wasn't moved by it. 08459 or facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Paul McGuire says, couldn't care less. A dour, sour Scotsman wins at a sport for the privileged. Uh, Jim says, I think Ian is trying to be controversial for the sake of it. What a load of tosh. It was brilliant. Uh, Paul says, Andy who? And Barbara says, a Scot wins a game of tennis. And... And it's not the Scottish thing. It's not the fact that a few years ago he was rude about the... It's none of that. I, I just I just don't get it. I, I guess in some kind of way I'm glad that my, my boy was there. He was, he was sort of dozing, but I woke him up. He saw it. So that I guess you can, you know, he won't remember it. He's three and a half, but I can say, oh, you were there when um, a, a, the last time a British person won a game of tennis match. If, if tennis matches can be considered historical, I don't know. Did it leave you feeling a bit, oh, really? Why is it? We were in the garden. We could hear the next door neighbours cheering every time he won a point. Deary me. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five seven sixteen. Let's get the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We have the closure of Pointers Road in Dunstable. This has now been shut and it's going to be shut all the way across the summer through till mid-September while they do major reconstruction works. It's shut from the A505 at the Tesco roundabout down to Wheatfield Road and Ports Avenue at the Woodside Industrial Estate. And it means that traffic is going to have to divert along the A505 Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. Things could get a little bit slow, certainly through the first couple of days of the closure through Houghton Regis, Dunstable, Lucy Farm and then into Luton. At the minute, sensors not picking up too much of a problem. The M1 looking a bit slow though, from Flittick at Junction 12 down toward Redbourne at Junction 9. Lynch Hill in Whipsnade looking a bit slow as well, there'll be 4540, uh, sorry, coming down toward the A5. Things on the A5 looking reasonably good at the minute. No problems on the A1 as you come to the Black Cat roundabout as yet. A1M looking clear, but then the A1 into London through Boreham Wood is slow Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. And you've got patches of short delays on the M25. Waltham Abbey to Enfield, St Albans to Kings Langley and Maple Cross to the M40, all on the anti-clockwise side. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. More from him in 15 minutes or thereabouts. Right, 7.17, it's Monday the 8th of July, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray has become the first British man to win Wimbledon in 77 years. Milton Keynes councillors are being accused of forcing officers to cutting corners in the Wolverton station, leading to a £3 million overspend. In sport, world champion Sebastian Vettel of Red Bull held off the challenge of Lotus drivers Kimi Räikkönen and Roman Grosjean to win his home German Grand Prix for the first time. And the weather today in beds, hearts and bucks. Dry, sunny, hot, with similar high temperatures to yesterday. Maximum temperature is 29 degrees. Coming up, we'll be rejoining Jeff and Luke to see how they're coping on their Olympic legacy bike ride. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. On Wednesday, I'll be live at one of the world's biggest horticultural events. The Hampton Court Palace Flower Show is in its 23rd year and I'll be bringing you all the colour and excitement from this year's event. I'll be speaking to exhibitors from across beds, hearts and bucks about their blooms and bulbs and we'll all be learning about the difference between a Lathyrus odoratus and a Synapis arvensis. 
Join me live at the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show Wednesday from midday here on BBC Three Counties Radio. And just to say, because of the unique way the BBC is funded, um, uh, that Nick Coffer recorded that trail actually live in a forest with a string quartet in the background. That's We can do it because that you give us a load of money every year and for that we are very, very grateful. Thank you very much indeed. More Tour de Force than Tour de France. Our intrepid sports team these words have been written for me by uh, Luke Ashmead. Our intrepid sports team of Jeff, Jeff Doyle and Luke Ashmead are cycling the length of the Olympic torch relay route 12 months on from the wave of pride and passion which swept across the nation. One of my first gigs for BBC Three Counties was um, uh, is in St George's Square in Luton when the um, the, the torch came that way and I was surprised how many people turned up it was busy wasn't it even I got even grumpy old me got quite excited by it it was that uh, motor car driver what was his name Hamilton was there well Jeff and Luke uh, are ready to get saddle sore hmm, as they spend the next two days stopping at towns along the route to speak to volunteers legacy leaders Olympians Paralympians as well as other people involved in sport now if uh, technology is on our side I can flick this switch and we can hear them morning Jeff morning Luke Morning. Morning. How how are you feeling? You're still alive. Well, we are, I have to say, I was moved by Andy Murray yesterday. I was moved from the couch to the kitchen to get another beer. Yay! Ba bum bum cha. Yeah, that's right. Whereabouts are you now, chaps? And what, what what's happened so far this morning? We're actually outside the Bell Pub in Cotton End. Oh, hang on a minute! <laughs> For goodness, I see how this, this is going to work. There's a theme here. <laughs> so Luke has done the first stretch from Bedford to Cotton End with the help of uh, Bedford Cycling Club. There was a little peloton going on actually. It was very nice. And Luke did very well, actually, I've got to say. Although you did manage to lose the children who turned up especially. Uh, could I just apologise to... Uh, let me just check the names again. What were the names? James and Imogen Bayliss. Now, Ian, James and Imogen Bayliss turned up yes. um, to show me their new bikes. They're getting into cycling. What did Ashmead do? I went away uh, so quick, I left them behind and, they, and they're not able to... So the, the names of the children that are missing, Luke, so we can put out a, a, a search for them. <laughs> James and Imogen Bailey. OK, so if you've and seen if a James listening. and Imogen Bailey um, on bicycles, then please do give us a call 08459 Hopefully you can reunite them with their parents at some point this morning. Naughty Luke, naughty Jeff. Oh, no, terribly. And I, I am joined by, uh, by Mark from the Bedfordshire Road Cycling Club, who's uh, gathered a group here to, to join us. Uh, so far, so good, Mark. Very good. I was warned you were going to go extremely slow, but you didn't. Leaving the kids behind, as we'll never let you ever forget. But no, <laughs> enjoying the day today. You've got a fantastic day for it. Good conditions. I know you've wimped out the big hill. Yeah, and I've left that to Jeff. Um, I mean, we're here to, to look a little bit at the, at the legacy of 2012 and the torch relay indeed. And 12 months ago, the torch came through this patch. Well, as, as a cycling club, have you seen, you know, interest? Have you seen people getting involved because of the games? Um, a lot. Well, this year we've had loads more people take up time trialling and cycling in general. So we've really tried to push cycling in the community and we've seen people of all abilities come and join us, which has been fantastic. Long may it last. Now, we're also with uh, the school headmistress to my left-hand side, Karen, from Cotton End School. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how were the Olympics for your school and, and what happened afterwards? Was there a, a drastic... Uh, Improvement, then more participation from the children? Uh, lots more participation in lots of sports activities for the children. We had the opportunity to go horse riding, which is something that the children have continued to do since then, and um, a lot more focus on sports tournaments in the area. And can you remember this time last year when the torch came through Cotton End? Yes, I think it's a day we'll never forget. <laughs> and presumably all the kids came out from the school? They did all come out from the school and they actually ran the route behind the torch. 
So that I mean, so that was that was part of the legacy, and then the the Olympics and the Paralympics was almost the second step. Absolutely, yes, they've had a fantastic time, and we've got um, some some of the flags from the Olympic village coming down to create some shade sails in our playground. Good stuff. Fancy yeah. cycling with us? Oh, wouldn't mind. Got a lot of work to do though. <laughs> <laughs> Very busy uh, head teacher. Now we've got a few uh, heading over to Letchworth with us as well this well, morning. Al in Alison. To, to join us from Bedford to go to Letchworth has come from Letchworth. Yeah. That's commitment. No, that's silliness. It's yeah. <laughs> five o'clock in the morning, very silly. Is it just you, Alison, with me travelling down to Letchworth or is any of the uh, the I other lot coming? Most of them are going up to the top of the hill, are you? Yeah. Or some of them are some of them are doing half of it and then leaving us and then the rest uh, uh, we're gonna carry on to Letchworth. Yep. Yeah, good stuff. Every cyclist here has a story. Medal winner. Tell us a bit about yourself. T tell us your name. It's Jill. And what do you do? I mean, you've, you're cycling here with us today, but you do all kinds of competitions as well. I'm mainly a triathlete and a duathlete. So I've got three world championships this year to contend. So I've got one gold medal this year. So I've got two more to come. So this is nothing to you. This is just a little little cycle out. No problem. It's a bit of fun on a Monday morning. Yeah, Monday morning. It's a not? fun. <laughs> We've got a world champion in our midst, Luke. What are we doing here? I have no idea. All I do know that is that I did about five and a half miles there. About five, five and a half miles. You've now got a stretch that's nearly 16 miles to get to Norton Common in Letchworth. That's our next location. See how this works, Ian. He does five miles. I do 17. Why are you not riding together, you wimps? I wasn't going to flag up this inconsistency, but why are you not just riding side hold, by side? Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. You earlier on called me not a well-looking man. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of concern about you, Luke, in the office, if I'm honest. Get out of it! <laughs> He did quite well, actually, on that first leg, Ian. He was, he was way ahead of the others. So. Well, Jeff, the thing well. is, I'm not worried about you because we've all noticed you have got very, very firm buttocks. <laughs> but, but Luke, I, I do... I mean, is there a I medical... Mean, is there a, I mean, I've lost nearly three stone in the last year. Is there a medical team on standby? <laughs> You're such a wind-up person. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> Uh, right, we're going to have to head off, I think, for our next yeah, stop. We're please do. We're off to Letchworth now and hoping to get there for about nine o'clock, aren't we? Something like that, I think, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm in the car. I'll just sit. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the car listening to hearts as a result of my previous comments. So just quickly, just very quickly, boys, what's, yeah. what's your route in case people want to keep an eye out for you? OK, from here, Cotton End, we're going to Letchworth. Letchworth and to Stevenage. Stevenage to Welland, Welland to Hatfield, Hatfield to St Albans, St Albans to... Uh, Hemel and then Hemel to Luton. And this next stretch, what are we on the A600? A600. Sort of through the, through Shefford and through. I think we're going to head through Ireland. I mean, it might be up to Alison because Alison will know the way. Dead, Dead Man's Cross? Dead Man's Cross. Yeah. That sounds about right for us. Yeah. <laughs> Dead Man's Cross, Live Man's very cross. Boys, listen, lots of fun. Jeff Doyle and Luke Ashmead. If you see them, don't, well, no, don't knock them down. Beep, beep and say hello and give them a little wave and, uh, and cheer them on, please. It'll be, uh, it'll be very nice for them, I'm sure. We'll, we'll speak to them in about an hour or so's time. Now, how would you react to a terrible tragedy in your family? Well, the father from Bedfordshire is remembering his murdered 15-year-old daughter by organising free self-defence classes for teenagers. David Pete's daughter, Megan Lee, was stabbed to death by her boyfriend, and we spoke about this uh, a little bit last week, and he now hopes to reduce the risk of a similar attack happening again. Well, Mike Abbott went along to one of his sessions. My name is David Pete. I'm the father of Megan Pete, and I'm the founder and creator of Urban Street Defence. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Go on, mate. Back up. Yeah, yeah, back up. Yeah. Back up. Yeah. OK. Block, control, strike, release the weapon. Basics. Basics work, OK? 
we've had a good turnout, just under 30 people, and um, hopefully they've all learnt something and they can take something away from it. And if anything does happen in the future, they can they can use what they've learnt to good effect and stop themselves getting injured or attacked in the future. If you can take one thing away today, remember block and react, whichever way it is, whether it's run, do something. That's cool. My name's Jack Giles. I was expecting to learn basic self-defence for knife attacks, but I learned a lot more than I was expecting. Oh, quick be careful. Don't just go mental start slashing and hitting people next to you, okay? I think it's a great thing that they're doing, obviously, for Meg and Pete, um, because you never know, really, when it's going to happen. And it's always something really good to know, and I'm really happy that they've put this on for everyone. Ideally, we'd like to do about four a year and people that have come along to this one are welcome to come along to the next one but it would be good to get fresh people each time and um, so we've got a more wide variety of people who know a little bit about defending themselves. I've got three daughters and I'm really worried about their safety so it's a good idea to try and give them as much knowledge as possible. You do worry where they are and sort of what's going to happen to them so but you've got to give them a little bit of space so this is their way of being able to look after themselves, I guess. My name's Paul Childerley, Chief Instructor of Pro Style Kickboxing. <laughs> the skills today taught were just basic um, moves um, from basic attacks, um, and that will work. It, it works whether you're going for a World Championship kickboxing match to a basic uh, attack on the, on the street. If you know your child can defend themselves or has got some ideas about defending themselves from certain things, then um, it should all be... The parent must have peace of mind. So knowing how to defend yourself is is quite important, and it doesn't depend on people sitting in a like a bad area. Then um, you know this class isn't aimed at them; it's, it's aimed for everyone. I'm Ellie. I'm 16. I say say thank you very much and well done to them for getting the message across and having so many people turn up and learn from it. It's a great thing. Hopefully, you've learned some today, which is been taught from basically a bad experience to make something good and will save you. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Speed sensors picking up some delays on the A1 southbound as you come down toward the Black Cat roundabout. It's looking busy. There's also a bit of a queue in Whipsnade on Lynch Hill. That's slow moving coming toward the A5 round Markgate. A5 a little bit slow from Dunstall down toward Markgate as well on the southbound side. M1 southbound is slow moving from Flittick to Redbourne, junction 12 to 9. Patches of traffic on the M25. Anti-clockwise it starts looking slow back at Waltham Abbey through to Enfield. Then you have the roadworks section and then it's busy again from St Albans to Kings Langley and from Maple Cross through to the M40. Short delays into London on the A1. It's already looking slow in Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. And if you're travelling by train, First Capital Connect run with delays of up to 10 minutes. Bedford to St Pancras because of a signalling problem at Bedford. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.30 News and Sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines, Andy Murray's become the first British man to win Wimbledon in 77 years. Milton Keynes councillors are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners in the Wolverton station revamp leading to a £3 million overspend. And Hitchin residents are questioning the wisdom of a new scheme giving parents of local school children free town centre parking. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Friends, family and supporters of Andy Murray have been celebrating his Wimbledon success late into the night. The 26-year-old earned his place in history yesterday when he became the first British man to lift the men's singles trophy for 77 years, beating Novak Djokovic in straight sets. At a press conference afterwards, he was asked if he always knew he'd achieve his dream. No, I didn't always feel it was going to happen because it's incredibly difficult to win these events and I don't think that's that well understood sometimes it takes so much hard work mental toughness to win these sort of tournaments so it takes so much hard work to make these judgments and mental judgments I played the tennis and I didn't kiss my mum the world champion Sebastian Vettel of Milton Keynes-based Red Bull has won his home German Grand Prix for the first time. Here's James Allen. Fought off a determined attack from the Lotus pair Kimi Raikkonen and Roman Grosjean to triumph in Germany. It was a thrilling tactical race, which got away from Polsi to Lewis Hamilton from the start when he lost the initiative to Vettel off the line. His Mercedes toiled in the high temperatures and he rolled in fifth, one place ahead of Jensen Button, who had his most competitive weekend of the season for McLaren. Vettel now leads the Drivers' Championship by 34 points over Fernando Alonso, who finished fourth today. Red Bull have been fined £26,000 after a TV cameraman was seriously hurt. A loose wheel came off Mark Webber's car after a pit stop and struck the cameraman, leaving him with a broken shoulder and cracked ribs. Britain's Chris Froome retained the leader's yellow jersey after stage nine of the Tour de France and now has a 1 minute and 25 second advantage over Alejandro Valverde. Ireland's Dan Martin won the stage. Today is a rest day. And in football, Watford played their first pre-season friendly in Italy yesterday and won emphatically. The Hornets beat Val Venusta 5-0. And MK Dons play their first pre-season friendly tonight. They take on St James's Gate in Ireland. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Email 3cr at bbc.co.uk BBC Three Counties Radio Right, next uh, 30 minutes of the show. Andy Murray. And this isn't me being controversial or being spiky. I'm not, as you know, (laughs) I'm not a huge sports fan by any stretch of the image. Uh, And the the, the game left yesterday left me feeling a bit... uh... Do you agree with me? I'm not the only one, it turns out. I got a lot of abuse on uh, Friday. I I did watch a little bit, only because I had money riding on it. Uh, A a little bit of the game between uh, Murray and the giant pole. Okay, so I watched a little bit of it. I did lose a bit of respect for Andy Murray. Did you see the bit when he was told the roof was going to be put back on? They're going to put the roof on. 20 to 9. Okay. And Andy Murray went, Oh, no! No, it's not fair! Oh, no, don't put the roof on! Oh, it's not fair! Oh, no, Mum! Don't, don't put the roof on! And I just thought, you miserable it's like a 12 year old being told that the xbox is being turned off unless he goes and tidies his room oh no don't turn me xbox i don't i don't want to tidy me room i guess it was awful i thought it was childish i thought it was awful i thought he was a spoiled brat and i thought he was disrespectful to the judges and i tweeted this oh the abuse i got a proper it was a flippant comment before I went out for my supper. The abuse I got. I got some strong swear words. Yes, the strongest. I got horrible hashtags invented about me. It was disgusting. Only because I said, this is pretty much what I said, any respect I've had for Andy Murray, I've lost since he whinged like a 15-year-old girl and disrespected the officials. Oh, no, don't, no, don't shut the roof. It's not fair. 
ist nur Fernsehen! It was awful. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Has Andy Murray's win left you feeling a bit, uh... <laughs> Sorry, that was such a great rant. <laughs> oh, brilliant. You would have, you probably missed this on Friday when yeah. they shut the roof. It was embarrassing, Jack. <laughs> oh, no, don't make me put my shoes by the front door. No. No. It was awful, Daly. Well, I'm glad he did it just to get that uh, rant from you, which was uh, 10 out of 10. Highly impressive. Back to your best this morning, aren't you, boss? <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're back, Justin. I feel oh, I have to prove myself. Now, listen, of course, Andy Murray, front page of all the newspapers. He won Wimbledon. The first British, and we have to specify this, the first British man to win Wimbledon in 77 years. Because who was the last Brit to win Wimbledon? Uh, go on, tell me. Virginia Wade. Oh, I, Virginia Wade, I of course. I think in 1977. Yes. Thereabouts. Lovely. Lovely. About all the sevens, you see. Yeah. Numerologists <laughs> be having a field day <laughs> about it. Now, you've been speaking, haven't you, to young tennis players in Hertfordshire. Absolutely. Absolutely. I went back to uh, Leverstock Green Tennis Club where I thrashed you a couple of weeks oh, ago. Now, a lot of people are very passionate about this. Um, I've been talking there to, to young kids. You know, potentially in the future, they could be the next Andy Murray. They were very excited yesterday. This is what happened. Carl, you're 14 years old. Andy Murray's just won Wimbledon. Yep. Um, tell us your thoughts. I mean, how exciting was that game? Uh, it was a brilliant game because no one really thought he could have done it against the number one, Djokovic. So it's a bit amazing he's won it for the first time. And when he won today, did you uh, give a big cheer? Yeah. Give us your big cheer now. I'm going to stand back. Give us your big cheer. Go on. Andy Murray! <laughs> Fantastic. And is he Scottish or is he, uh, is he British? Both. <laughs> What's your name? Alfie Rushton. And how old are you, Alfie? I'm 12 years old. 12 years old. And uh, what got you involved in tennis in the first place? Because a lot of 12-year-olds, of course, uh, play football, not tennis. Yeah. So, so why tennis for you? Well, my sister once played tennis and um, she was there and said, oh, mum, can I do it? So that's how I got interested in it. You any good? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, yeah. Could you thrash me, do you reckon? Could you beat me? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's the confidence. So, Andy Murray today, tell us about how you felt. I mean, there he was, that, that last game, that last point was incredible. When he finally won, how did you feel as a 12-year-old kid? Oh, I felt amazed. I, did, I, did, I never thought he was going to be number one seed, but he did. He put all hard work into it. I was on the floor screaming. <laughs> And do you think off the back of this, just lastly, that some of your school friends now will know that you play tennis and yeah. they might want to take it up because of what's happened today? Yeah, maybe people, more, maybe more people will get involved in playing tennis now they've seen Andy Murray win. Because a lot of people have got this perception that, that tennis is for, is for rich people and posh people. You're not posh, are you? No, no, no tennis is fun. It's for anyone. Anyone can have fun and play tennis. You're about to play now? Uh, yeah, I'm about to go on court now. Right, guys, enjoy your game. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you very much. <laughs> You enjoyed that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you can't say to a kid, "Here, you're not posh, are you?" <laughs> you can't do that. I'm asking him the question that would ask somebody who's 32. I don't talk down to kids. <laughs> he was fantastic, Alfie, wasn't he? He's brilliant. He's not posh. He's they were the they were excellent and well done great. them for for embracing it and and, and mm. having fun doing it. Now, the thing I asked you to to have a look into this morning, Justin, was was the, the, this feeling: Are there more people like me who feel a bit meh, or, or or is the whole nation filled with pride yeah. at this? This multi-millionaire tennis player winning even more money. Oh, it
pleasant surprise, may I have to say. You know, yesterday, a historic moment. Yeah. Uh, the first uh, male British winner in 77 years. And you've come in this morning, and you've got the ump. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but um, I think it is fantastic for the game. I think it will make a, a big, big impact. But uh, yesterday in Hertfordshire, today I'm in Lucent. I've been asking people the question you've been asking, which is rather weird. Um, has Murray's win made you feel a bit, uh, and uh, this is what happened. Andy Murray's won Wimbledon. Has it left you feeling rather, uh, do you not really care? No, well done to him. He deserves it. He yeah. worked hard for it, but I'm not really into tennis. So you weren't jumping for joy yesterday? You're not waking up, punching the air, going, yes, he's finally done it? No. <laughs> Tony, all the front pages this morning, all about Andy Murray. Do you really care? Has it left you feeling a bit, mm, not really fussed? No, not fussed all that much, mate. It's not my cup of tea. He don't like us if we lose at football, the English. He wants us to lose. So why should I want him to win? So as far as you're concerned then, a Scottish man has won Wimbledon, not a British man. Yeah, definitely. Wayne, we've got Ian Lee back in the studio, who's a bit negative this morning, saying that Andy Murray's victory yesterday did absolutely nothing for him. How are you feeling today? Um, the opposite. Yeah? He's done Britain proud. First time in my, since 77 years, since 77 years. So to me, I've woken up this morning thinking, you know, well done. It's inspirational and it's a good thing for British tennis. You're going to find lots, loads of youngsters coming through now, um, fighting to find a local court, play, and it's just wonderful. So you seriously are waking up with a spring in your step because of yesterday? I am. And my first customer, which was in Luton, he had a newspaper out, oh. holding a trophy. And I was there having a five-minute chat with him, oh. saying, well done, Handy Murray, well done. Oh, grow up, mate. <laughs> grow up. You don't know him. He doesn't know you. He doesn't care about you. I think some people are going to be negative, and I'll tell you why. Because, yeah. it, because it's Andy Murray. Yeah. Now, he's got a, an incredibly attractive girlfriend. He is a multi-millionaire. She's an eight, he's a five. Yeah. <laughs> he's just one Wimbledon. And still, it's like, yeah, come on, mate. Life is good. Embrace it. You are right now, right up there. The nation love you. Be happy, Andy. Be happy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Justin, listen, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, four times six. Four times six. That would be uh, six, 12, what, uh, 18, what, 24? Nine times three. Uh, nine times three, nine, 18, two, two, two. Uh, you put me on the spot there. Nine times three, 18 plus uh, <laughs> That would be 27. <laughs> Justin, would you do me a favour? I yeah, listen, I couldn't on. do it if you threw it at me. Can you do me a favour? There's there's a story in the paper today about kids learning their time tables. Can you go and see if the, the people in beds, hearts and bucks are any good at their time tables? Yeah, now the last time we did this, we asked uh, six times six and it took, what, seven attempts to get the correct answer, so it should be fun. 41? Uh, no, six times six is what, uh, 36? Well, there you go. Right, fair play. Uh, Justin, thank you very much indeed. Well, what do you think about Andy Murray? Is it left you feeling a bit meh? 08459 oh, 455 555. Murray beat Djokovic. You won't have missed it. 647564 to become the first uh, British man to win Wimbledon since Fred Perry in 1936. Well, I'm joined now by Terry Mabbitt, who is a professional tennis coach from Bedfordshire. Morning, Terry. We spoke to you a little while ago. Did you expect that on this Monday morning we will be talking about Andy Murray, Wimbledon champion? No, I didn't, but um, the guy did it incredibly well, didn't he, yesterday? He did it in straight sets as well, even with my limited knowledge of tennis. That's quite an achievement, isn't it? Uh, well, it's a major achievement when you're be- beating the world number one in straight sets. I think um, if, if um, you could have got some very good odds before the match yesterday, um, 
that Murray's winning straight sets. I don't. I think all of us would have taken a win in five, four, or anything, and and to get it in three sets was just wonderful. A lot of uh, commentators yesterday saying that Djokovic was was struggling because of his his. He had a, a semi final game that lasted for about. Well, it went on for hours, didn't it? Well, it did. That, that went on for about five hours. Wow. But what they have forgotten about is that in the Australian Open last year. Um, it took him nearly five hours to beat Andy Murray in the semi-final. And then in the final, two days later, he beat um, Nadal in a match which took um, nearly nearly six hours. And, and so uh, he, he was up for that one. Uh, I can I barely stay awake for six hours, let alone uh, physically exert myself for that long. That is incredible, isn't it? Well, that is, that is, you, you're spot on. And um, I, I would just put down yesterday that Murray just played extraordinarily well. Is this, you know, is this Murray at his peak? Is he going to continue winning? Is there a chance he could become the world number one? Oh, definitely. Um, I would say in the next, um, in the next 12 months, Murray is going to be world number one. I think um, he's um, he's at the age of 26. Um, He's got another four or five years right at the top level. Um, The guy's incredibly competitive. He will want to win uh, all the Grand Slam titles. He's, he's not won the Australian yet. He's not won the French Open. And, and dare I say, he'll want to hang on to this Wimbledon title next year. Now, listen, I, 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 sorry, this is the thing that was puzzling me. Is Wimbledon, obviously Wimbledon is the highlight of British tennis. How is it viewed around the world? No, it's the highlight of world tennis. Is it well. really? Yeah. It's the first, um, I mean... Um, Britain actually um, came up with the game, you know, 140 years ago. Um, and once they put tennis in the Olympics, every country now plays um, plays tennis. You got 152 countries, I think, last year entered the Davis Cup, which is the men's um, team title. And um, so everyone in the world now plays tennis. So it is probably, you know, the number one. Uh, world individual sport. We just heard some young people there speaking to Justin, who, who love tennis. Do you think that he's going to be an inspiration to younger people and they're going to start picking up their tennis rackets? Yeah, I do. I thought those those kids were terrific, weren't they? Oh, superb, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that um, you, you're going to find, certainly in the next few weeks, that, um, that players are going to come... Um, they're going to hopefully look to find where their local tennis club is, uh, and if they don't play tennis already, let's hope that someone will come down there and, and, and get some coaching. Terry, listen, nice to talk to you again. Thank you very much indeed. Well, I certainly didn't think we'd be uh, talking about Andy Murray, Wimbledon champion on Monday morning. I thought we'd be talking about Scottish tennis player Andy, you know, but he, he won. And congratulations to him. And, and listen, this isn't me being negative about him. It's not me saying... Oh, it's because he slagged off the English a few years ago. Oh, it's because he's so dour. Oh, not at all. Listen, best of luck to him. Well done. Congratulations. It's just left me feeling a bit meh. Spelled M-E-H. Possibly with an exclamation mark at the end. Are you the same? 08459 455 555. And if there is anybody brave enough to phone up and take my uh, multiplication times table challenge, then do give me a call. 08459 Four double five five double five. Right now it's a quarter to eight. Here's the travel news with Adam Glynn. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Luton, Dunstable Road, the B579, we've got reports of a traffic light failure at Kingsway. Polly gave us a call on that one. Traffic apparently coping well for the minute. Dunstable, Pointers Road, shut. They're doing major roadworks and they're going to be doing them right the way through until mid-September. So Pointers Road is closed between the A505 and the Woodside Industrial Estate. The diversion takes you along the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. Lynch Hill in Whipsnade still looking quite slow on the B4540 down toward the A5 and the A5 a bit busy around there as well as you go through and past Mark Yates. The M1 southbound slow moving from Flittick to Luton Junction 12 to 10. It's quite busy on the A1 as well coming toward the Black Cat roundabout southbound in Roxton and then as you make your way past the A1M and further into London then on the A1 you've got delays as you come through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Slow moving on the M25 through the roadworks section near Potter's Bar, busy from St Albans to Kings Langley, and it's also pretty slow as you make your way round toward the M40 at Junction 16. First Capital Connect on the trains, back to normal service, Bedford and Pancras, after the signalling problem at Bedford a little earlier. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Nearly 7.47, Monday the 8th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray has become the first British man to win Wimbledon in 77 years. Milton Keynes councillors are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners in the Wolverton station revamp, leading to a multi-million pound overspend. In sport, world champion Sebastian Vettel of Red Bull has won his home German Grand Prix for the first time. Coming up, can we get your school-run nightmare stories, please? It's awful, isn't it? If you're dropping kids off at school, you live near schools, even if you're just travelling to work. Well, we'll be talking about a park and stride scheme being introduced for parents of children attending Samuel Lucas School in Hitchin. But how bad is it where you are? 08459 455 555. Right now, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Well, it's going to be very similar to how it was yesterday. We do still have some mist patches out there um, at the moment, just really towards northern areas of Bedfordshire, but they should soon disperse and we'll be left with lots of sunshine just about everywhere across the three counties. So another glorious day. Just watch out for those very high pollen levels, hay fever sufferers. Lots more sunshine then, just a light northeasterly breeze and temperatures today, yep, on a par with what we saw yesterday. We're looking mid to high 20s, actually, for most of us and 28 degrees in Celsius which is probably the highest that we'll see is 82 in Fahrenheit so as we head through into this evening and overnight again a very similar night to last night a few good few clear skies some mist and possibly even some fog patches forming into tomorrow morning Um, but largely clear skies temperatures down to between 12 and perhaps 15 degrees Celsius so it could be quite an uncomfortable night actually for many of us again in the towns and tomorrow more of the same slightly cooler and cloudier by Wednesday but that's just a a temporary blip really before the temperatures are on the up again by Thursday and we'll see plenty more wall-to-wall sunshine and that will last for the rest of the week it's looking like another gorgeous weekend Ian there we go can you try out a times table on me oh you are brave nine times Um, twelve eighty four no no, nine times twelve. It's going to be ninety. It's going to be eighty-eight. Eighty? No, it's not. Hang on a minute. It's higher than that. 90, no, it's going to be ninety plus. Um, 
It's going to be 104. Two. Yeah, 104. Two. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh, for goodness sakes. Now, look. Calculate. I didn't say I could do it. <laughs> Hang on. Nine times 12. We're quite good at these. 108. 108. I said that. No, you said 84. <laughs> Shall we just end it here? Like something else. Yeah, Some... 108 there. Well done, Elizabeth. <laughs> Unbelievable. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. As far as that woman's concerned, I agree with the previous call. She's the biggest race she's ever met in my whole darn life. But there is a way you can hear it all again. You speak like a pig. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on listen again. All of our programmes are available for seven days, allowing you to listen to what you missed. BBC.co.uk co.uk slash three counties that bit was very funny very funny and i know i know you're going to want to listen to jvs today's got katie hopkins on who, who's she she was on the apprentice and she doesn't like her kids playing with um children that have got common names lower class names i think is the phrase she uses to describe them Dwayne, Chantel, angel princess Part of me kind of can see her point to a certain extent. Uh, she'll be on with JVS later on. It's going to be a cracking listen. Now, the school run. Is it a nightmare where you live in the three counties? Today, we've been talking about a park and stride scheme being introduced for parents of children attending Samuel Lucas School in Hitchin. The scheme is a condition as part of the County Council's approval of plans to increase capacity at the school. It'll see parents being given permits to park free for two hours at a multi-storey car park. But local residents say people won't use it and some think it's an unfair use of taxpayers' money. Well, our reporter, Barry Caffrey, has been to speak to parents picking up children from the school gates to find out if they will use this new park and stride scheme. I don't think anybody will use it. People park there anyway now, occasionally. I don't think anybody more will use it than uses it now. I don't think it makes any difference as the old parent who does. Even though you'll be offered free parking for two hours a day, you don't think it's going to be used, no? No, because a few people use it now, it's not going to make any difference having that option. I don't think I would use it. Because, to be honest, then you have to cross this road, and it's a hectically busy road in the morning. So, no, I don't think I would, to be honest. What is it like at the moment, then? Are you just going to continue to try and find a space around here? Because even where we are now, it's very congested. Yeah, yeah, I think so, because, um, I mean, I've got a small child as well, so then to drag both of them across a road and um, to the school, it'd just be, just be impossible. But, I mean, at the moment, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. It's just, I mean, there's ladies that have to come here just after two to get a parking space. I think if it was brought in, they should really advertise it and probably make parents use it. And if they do come in here, they should kind of be deterred, literally, from driving in here. I think anybody that lives around here, really, that can walk, should walk, really, to be honest. So you're one of the few that I've met so far walking. Do you think too many people are, are driving too close to school? I definitely do. I definitely do. I'm sure that there's a lot of people who drive unnecessarily around here, for sure. Well, Quentin Wilson joins me now, motoring journalist and columnist for the Sunday Mirror. Morning, Quentin. Morning. School run is a nightmare, whether you're a parent, you live near a school, or even if you're driving to work, isn't it? Yeah, I'm head of school run in our house, and it is the most stressful part of the day. And you've got to get there exactly the right time, otherwise you have to queue. 
And then if you park your car a quarter of a mile away, you come back, it's got a parking ticket. Um, and then walking the kids across the busy junction, it is difficult. Now, this professor, um, uh, John Ashton, who said, look, this, this could help cure the nation's obesity crisis, I think that's a bit kind of, a bit strong. This was the thing last week, wasn't it, that he said we should all park a few hundred yards away from the school to help make kids walk a little bit more. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll make them so slim, it'll be wonderful. But, you know, we, we do that by stopping eating them rubbish, um, getting them to eat rubbish food. And, and this is, you know, if you're, if you're to have car parks, special car parks, this is going to cost an awful lot of money. What we do at our school is we have a kiss and drop. So you just Ooh. slide out there at the school, uh, kiss the child, they go, and you're gone in like seven seconds. And that's really, really good. And things like 20 mile an hour speed limits need to be enforced. But the whole idea of having this infrastructure of, of, of special car parks where we all go and then walk our children, I mean, the, the congestion there will just be moved from schools to another place. And it's really, really, really hard to So make you don't it. think an idea like this, the park and stride, where the, the, the they park in a multi-storey car park a little away from the school. You don't think that'll work? It's a really good idea, but then you're go- it's going to be five minutes getting up the multi-storey car park, getting a ticket, all this sort of thing. You're going to be late to school, and that is the thing that most people are worried about. You know, we, we, we've got to get the kids there on time, otherwise they get they get minus marks and the headmaster clucks his, clucks his tongue at you. If you, could, if you could have, like, playing fields and things like that close to the school where you could park easily and then take the child... Oh, playing fields. You're so old-fashioned, Quentin. I know, I know, I know. But, look, it's an old-fashioned problem, but, you know, we, 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 uh, it's a really hard one to cure. A lot of drivers seem to forget the rules of the road when it comes to dropping their kids off, don't they? Just stopping in the middle of the road, stopping on the zigzag lines. Dro- yeah. they, they drive terribly. Yeah, and, I mean, I have to go in a tiny little car down to... to 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 school because if I take anything bigger it's going to get bumped, we're going to get boxed in it's going to be a nightmare so you you have to change your behaviour because of the school run and you have to start getting the kids ready at about 7 o'clock otherwise if you don't get there at exactly the right time you're stuck in a traffic jam so yes it is a problem and yes we need to to, to cure it but I don't think it's it's as easy as this guy thinks Quentin Wilson, always nice to talk to you thank you for joining us Deirdre Murphy is uh, Secretary of the NUT in Bedford Borough Morning, Deirdre. Do you think that um, offering parents free parking somewhere uh, like this sounds like a good idea? Quentin Wilson doesn't think it will work. Well, there's there's a number of issues here. I don't live in Hitchin, and I don't really know the problem, but I, as far as I can gather, the school is expanding. And I think that, first of all, the Education Committee should be looking at how other schools can take the capacity. As far as parking is concerned, yes, you're absolutely right. It is a huge problem. But I think parents have got to take a responsible attitude that if you live close to the school, I think it is a, a better way to walk your children to school or you could actually consider a very old-fashioned thing about walking buses, about organising parents to actually get kids to join this, this walking line, or if that, that, that could be considered, uh, maybe, maybe a cheaper option would be to look at points of getting a school transport to pick up kids from a particular point and bring them into the, into the school. It is far too dangerous for parents to be dropping kids off um, where, where it causes a congestion and causes a health and safety risk. But did you? We've, we've talked about school buses uh, on this show before, and boy, oh boy, have I been in trouble for some of the things I've said. But a lot of parents say um, they can't afford to put their kids on, on, on the bus. Their school is reluctant to kind of club in and, and get a school bus. And we're, we're inherently lazy, aren't we, Deirdre? We, we, we do like the convenience of a car. 
But where, I mean, the money for the, um, the, the multi-storey car park, where is that coming from? Hopefully not from the education budget. <laughs> that would be, of the school, that would be disastrous. Um, but I, I really do think that, that, it's, that parents have got to look at it with the school in a way. You may not be able to afford it, but can we afford for one child to lose its life or their lives because of um, irresponsible parking by parents to drop off. I've seen it in other schools where parents do double park, therefore the the, um, the, the vision for some people to cross the road has been marred and it, it does cause, it, it is dangerous. So I think there are many ways to skin this cat and I think it should be really looked at, either looking at, I mean, if you do live close to the school or you do live in the town what is wrong with walking your child to school? Deirdre, thank you very much indeed. We have to end it there. Um, uh, it's a point I've raised in the past, and uh, I suffered a backlash. Uh, <laughs> I do kind of agree, though. If, if you're able to walk your kids to school, if it's not that far, then why don't you do that? I wait four five nine four double five five double five. I throw it out there. I stand back. I wait for the abuse to be thrown at me. If you're brave enough to come and do some times tables, bearing in mind <clears throat> I'm rubbish at them as well, so don't worry. I won't be judging you. We'll be in this together. I wait four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven eight, Adam. Uh, Fifty six. Oh, get on with it, sir. Well done. OK. Dunstable Road in Luton, the B579. We have reports of traffic light failure at the junction with the Kingsway, though traffic does seem to be coping well at the minute. Speed sensors showing a fair delay now on the A5. It's looking slow on the southbound side as you make your way through Dunstable from the A505 down toward the M1. And then Chill's looking a bit slow coming toward there from Whipsnade as well. The M1 southbound, slow moving from Flittick at Junction 12 toward Luton at Junction 10 and the airport. Great North Road, the A1. You've got the delays that seem to pop up every morning as you come down toward the Black Cat Roundabout. It's slow moving from Eaton Soken, and then once you get beyond the roundabout, it's quite busy down towards Sandy as well. But Biggles Wade at the minute looking clear, and things on the A1M running well. M25 delays through the roadwork slow, Potters Bar busy, and slow to the M40 as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. This morning, Luke Ashmead and Jeff Doyle, our sports team, are cycling the torch relay across Beds, Hearts, and Bucks. Well, I've seen their shoes. AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Eight o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, Murray makes sporting history, MK Council is accused of pressurising officers and a home soil victory for Vettel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Andy Murray is expected to become one of the highest paid British sportsmen after his win at Wimbledon. Victory against Novak Djokovic earns him prize money of £1.6 million and the prospect of many lucrative sponsorship deals. Here's Andrew Verity. According to his manager, Simon Fuller, Murray's now admired not just as a sportsman, but as a personality. The public has warmed to Andy. As each year passes, they understand him and they warm to him. And I think people got a little insight as to how big a heart he has and how sort of passionate he is about sport and what a truly great guy. Murray's already earning £15 million over five years from sportswear sponsorship. If he now exploits brand Murray to the full, marketing experts believe, he could earn £15 million a year, making him one of the highest-earning sportsmen in the world. 
A Home Office minister says Britain could withdraw from the European Convention on Human Rights after it took eight years for successive governments to deport the extremist cleric Abu Qatada. The Home Office minister James Brokenshire says the government's looking at things they can do to speed up such cases in the future. Clearly there are things that can be done in our own uh, immigration laws and that's why we'll be publishing an immigration bill later this year to streamline the stages of the appeal process, expedite national security cases and also reform rights of appeal. But I think we do need to look at the balance contained within our relationship in the European Convention of Human Rights and I think we do need to keep all options on the table. Councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners, leading to a multi-million pound overspend in the recent revamp of Wolverton Station. That's a view of several former employees expressed in reports and emails seen by BBC Three Counties Radio. Labour's Peter Marland is the leader of the opposition at Milton Keynes Council. We need an investigation to see if this claim is valid or if it's groundless, but we can only do that by having an external investigation that looks at these emails and this whole project with a fresh pair of eyes because ultimately it's the taxpayer of Milton Keynes that's having to pick up a huge bill. More on this story up next with Ian Lee. Hitchin residents are questioning the merits of a new scheme giving parents of local school children free town centre parking. In a bid to cut congestion after the expansion of Samuel Lucas School, parents will be issued with permits to park free for two hours. A year after the Olympic torch lit up the streets of Beds, Hearts and Bucks, our sports team are retracing the route to see how the London Games inspired local people. You can hear reports today and tomorrow from Jeff Doyle and Lou Cashmead as they cycle more than 150 miles on the anniversary of the torch relay examining the sporting legacy of the games why in sport andy murray wasn't the only sportsman to end a personal wait for success on home territory yesterday the world championship leader sebastian vettel of milton Keynes based red bull won the german grand prix the weather dry hot and sunny with a top temperature of 29 degrees celsius that's 84 fahrenheit get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties this afternoon me and the boys in our pants, in the garden, throwing water at each other. What a lovely picture. You coming? Um, I'm washing my hair. <laughs> so glad you said that, but even still. It's going to be fun this afternoon. Me and my two boys in the garden, going to get the hose out. Yay! Mum's at work, gonna get the hose out in our pants, running around having a hose war. It's gonna be awesome! Right, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, three minutes past eight. Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including... We'll bring you news of allegations that councillors in Milton Keynes put staff under so much pressure to deliver big building projects that corners were cut and there were large overspends. Murray Mania. Front page of the newspapers, he's everywhere. But did Andy Murray's win leave you feeling a bit... Meh. And parents at a school in Hertfordshire are being given permit, permits to park free during the school run at a multi-storey car park. But local residents have called the scheme in Hitchin unfair and a waste of money. Well, is the school run a nightmare where you live? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. We've been a bit too busy for the calls this morning. Oh, we will try and make sure we squeeze some in before 9 o'clock. 
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, it's being alleged that councillors in Milton Keynes put staff under so much pressure to deliver big building projects that corners were cut and there were large overspends. Well, that's the view of several former employees in reports and emails seen by BBC Three Counties Radio. They relate to the rebuilding of Wolverton's train station, which has now come in over £3 million over its original budget of 337000 Peter Marland, leader of the Labour opposition in Milton Keynes and a Wolverton councillor, had this to say to me earlier. The question is clearly what's correct pressure and what is undue pressure. And these emails that you may have seen say undue pressure. I think it's entirely right to ask, as a councillor, what's happening, why isn't this project being done? But it would be completely inappropriate to say get this project done because there's an election coming or get this project done because... It needs to be done so I can be re-elected. It, it, it's a question of what is undue pressure, really, and that's why we needed an inquiry external to the council to pick up whether it was undue pressure or whether it was it was correct pressure. Well, Andrew Geary is the Conservative leader of MK Council and joins me now. Andrew, was this pressure put on so that people could be re-elected? Well... In a sense, Ian, you're asking completely the wrong person, because I have to say, on the face of it, and having examined all the evidence, I'm in complete agreement with Peter Marland here. However, this was not done at the time when the Conservatives were in administration in Milton Keynes. We are now. In fact, we took the administration shortly afterwards. But you would have to ask the previous leader and their group as to whether this undue pressure was put on by members of their group. It has long been the belief from both the Labour group led by Peter Marland, who spoke to you earlier, and myself leading the Conservative group, that yes, undue pressure and influence was brought on this occasion. Are you, as as leader of Milton Keynes Council, Andrew, are you going to start the ball rolling and push for an inquiry? Um, well, let, let, me, let me roll back one a moment if I can. Firstly, the element of undue pressure. I completely agree with Peter Marlin. It is a culture that I have, this, I have and my administration have tried desperately to change and to bring more accountability and transparency into the process. And I'll go into that in a moment. As far as an external inquiry is concerned, I'm not entirely sure what it's going to achieve, if I'm, if I'm perfectly honest about that. I'm certainly not ruling it out, and I will be having discussions with Peter Marland about this. Peter Marland is keen for an inquiry, isn't he? Yeah, Peter Marland is keen for an inquiry. What I need Peter to do for me, if, if I'm going to put my weight behind it, is to justify why it's needed, given now that we seemingly have the evidence from the officers, um, the, the former officers of the council, that of course an internal inquiry, inquiry couldn't bring because actually internal, they have no sort of internal audit, don't have a, a remit to get to officers who are no longer working here. And it, an external inquiry would, although actually people who are no longer working here would not be forced into taking part in that anyway. Um, that's, those who have have done so voluntarily. So it could be a bit toothless. Yes, I, I, I mean, I just, I just think there's probably not a lot more we can learn from this by having an external inquiry. If, if there is, if, if Peter can prove to me and to colleagues that there is more than we can learn, then I'm very happy to, you know, listen to the argument and consider it. Does this mean, Andrew, that if these are allegations are true, and they are allegations, if, if these allegations are true, that there's nothing you can do to, to punish those involved? Well, the difficulty is that both of those involved are no longer members of Milton Keynes Council. So you can't, you can't, you can't do anything retrospectively. 
No, the, no the, the two individuals that we believe, or certainly one individual and possibly a second, who we believe could be involved in this are no longer members of Milton Keynes Council. Neither are the staff, that, uh, are any of the staff that signed said documentation. So basically, this means then that you can you can kind of do what you want, spend you know with the figures range between two million, three million pounds unnecessarily, and get away with it. Um, with, when when you have got people who have sanctioned this and signed it off and are no longer present, all those that are here currently can do is to try and roll this in and get a grip of the situation as best they can um, and and limit the damage. That's exactly what's been done, both since the current staff took over and the Conservative group took over administration. Um, You've just said it's massively overspent. Yes, it is. You know, I would say in this council's defence, this did not happen on our watch. We got the we got to grips with it as best we could, as soon as we could. But unfortunately, we've gone far too far down the road by then to, you know, or down the track by then, perhaps in this case, being a, being a railway one to actually stop happening. What did happen, Peter? Are you convinced that this is no longer happening? That this 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 practice of putting pressure on officers to complete various projects has stopped? Yes, I don't believe there is a culture in Milton Keynes Council where undue pressure is put on officers to cut corners. I also believe that officers are now robust enough to come back to members and to say to them, well, you are asking me to do something that is completely outside of my remit. And if I believe that pressure continues, then either I'll approach your group leader about it or, or we'll do whatever. You know, group leaders have the understanding with senior officers that if undue pressure is applied or they feel undue pressure is being applied, there is a route back into group leaders. About and was that, that route not there before, it. Andrew? Part of me does wonder why these officers, who no doubt are professionals and know what they're doing, why they felt compelled to, to bow to this pressure. As I say, Ian, I really can't answer that. I'm the wrong person. And, but an inquiry, an inquiry would at the time also also no longer here, incidentally, um, and and, um, and 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 the, the individuals and officers involved. I'm not sure. This is why I say. <coughs> you struggling a bit with your hay fever, Andrew? I'm struggling terribly with hay fever. I could tell you're doing a cracking job. Well done. Yeah. No. If if it if it isn't obvious, you know, that the people that need to answer that question are ones that are no longer here. But from my perspective from my own group and indeed from the council as a whole at the moment, I'm confident that whilst, I think as Peter Marlin said when he spoke to you earlier on, councillors will want to get things done for their community and will want to push officers to get things done. What councillors should never do is push them to cut corners um, that eventually end up leading to a lot of money costs. That's why we as a Conservative administration, introduced what we call the development, uh, the, the delegated decisions process, where these sort of decisions take place in public, transparently, at 5.30 every Tuesday. It's why we introduced the Procurement Committee, so that all major procurements are done in public, transparently, so that people can turn up, see them, and challenge them if they want to do so. No corner cutting. Andrew, no listen, final up. question, then we're going to let you go and have an antihistamine. Uh, 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 has anything um, illegal uh, been done in this? Is, is, there's no chance of pressing criminal charges or anything? Um, at the moment, I don't think there's any evidence around right. that at all, and I okay. don't think that's, be, that's being alleged either. OK, Andrew, listen, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. Andrew Geary, Conservative leader of MK Council. He was struggling, but he got through it. Thank you, Andrew. We're joined now by our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. Uh, Paul, you heard what Andrew Geary had to say there. You've spoken, I believe, to someone who was part of the leadership at the time. What have they said about this?
Uh, well, yes, that's right, Ian. I've had a conversation and, and several emails with uh, somebody who was on the cabinet at Milton Keynes Council at the time, uh, and they said that the pressure that would have been exerted on officers, they said, was uh, was perhaps fair, and actually that anybody who was in you know knowledge of the full facts wouldn't consider it to be undue or inappropriate. Uh, there was also a feeling that as a sort of involved councillor, why they shouldn't um, be expected not to sort of put a little bit of pressure on a project which had run a long way overdue and by that point already quite a lot under budget so they felt they were just doing their job to an extent. I mean it's worth noting as well in the emails that uh, we've seen from the officers they said that it wasn't just uh, Wolverton Station it was also potentially some of the other big projects in Milton Keynes as well which is why these calls for an inquiry I think you know certainly you know the, the politicians feel are very justified because you know if you've got something wrong at one place what's to say that there haven't been problems on other projects or couldn't be problems again in the future as well, we pointed out we know that peter marland leader of the labor opposition in mk is keen for an inquiry andrew geary conservative leader of mk council wasn't quite so keen he, he, well, he thought it would ultimately be pointless yeah, the cost of an inquiry like this, I mean, you get in external auditors, it's a private company of, of accountants, and, uh, you know, it costs a lot of money, potentially twenty, thirty thousand pounds even more sometimes in, in, in some instances. So you could understand why a council which is already facing budgetary pressures would be slightly uh, loath to invest more money in something like this but on the other side of it if people do want to know exactly what's gone on without any sort of feeling that there is uh, a bias of one way or another then an external independent inquiry is really the only thing that you can do to on, on such a matter people couldn't be compelled though could they to give evidence I, I, I think I think that's so the part of the problem. I think that's what Andrew was suggesting, that people yeah. who no longer work for the council wouldn't have to come, you know, they couldn't be forced to come. Well, the people who don't, who no longer work for the council, are, are they, they have made some fairly, well, certainly one of them has made a very full submission to the audit committee of the council. Uh, it's one of the backbench committees, and uh, that will soon go in the public domain. That's what we've seen already uh, at Three Counties Radio. We've been um, sort of given access to that before anybody else has. So we've, we've sort of had a look at that. Uh, and, and in that, they say that, you know, not just the concerns about the pressure, but also about other projects, the, 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 that is there. Certainly that's the sort of thing that an independent inquiry would be able to find out in, in more detail I, I get the feeling that people uh, who have left the council actually do want to give their view mm. on this because uh, you know they feel that the reporter initially uh, was very critical of them and they feel that actually it, this 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 is a problem caused by just more than three or four people this is a, a problem that they say it was endemic in the system final question paul um nine times seven uh that would be 63 did you just use your phone no i've got a trick for the nine times table though is it your fingers? It is my fingers. How does the... Because I, I, producer Chara tried to explain the fingers one. I couldn't get it. OK, what's... Uh, what, four times nine? Uh, 31. 30, 36. Oh, yeah! Right. <laughs> All right. So you put down... So you hold your hand up. Yeah. And then you put down... So facing you... Yeah. You want to do three times nine, right? Be with you in a second, Adam. Nice. You right. can do this as well. We're holding our fingers in front so of us, three yes. Three times seven. Okay, you put it. down your, your third finger along. Three times seven... Yeah, oh, three times nine, oh, sorry, anyway, it's nine, yeah. Yeah, so third nine. finger, yeah. Yeah, so you've got a third finger down, and you're on to the to the left of the finger, how many are up? Two. And to the right of it, how many? Seven, 27! 27, you see? <gasps> That's that voodoo! Across the board, yeah. Wow. So eight, eight times, eight times nine. Oh, hang, oh, oh, hang on, so eight is... Uh, 72. 72. That's brilliant. Okay, try, mm. try, try this one, nine times twelve. Aha! 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 108. Uh, Double Road in Luton. I was all right at times tables. I've done very little math since, but I'm all right with that. All right, teacher's pet. Go and give teacher another apple, Adam, and then do your travel news, you swat. You're getting a dead arm after this. Oh. All right, Dunstable Road in Luton. We've got reports of traffic light failure still at the Kingsway. Pointers Road in Dunstable. This is shut now for major roadworks. Shut between the Pointers Road roundabout at Tesco, the A505 junction, and Wheatfield Road and Ports Avenue at the Woodside Industrial Estate. And there are delays already, according to Christine, who's given us a call, saying that it's looking really, really slow along the diversion. The A505 Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue is where traffic is going to have to divert until mid-September. M1 southbound, slow-moving Flitic to the Luton Airport Spur, junction 12 to 10. M40's looking quite busy now. Heavy traffic on the southbound side from Stoke and Church toward High Wycombe. A1 looking busy at the Black Cat Roundabout. Very slow as you come along the A1M from Hitchin towards Stevenage and then delays into London, Stirling Corners, Mill Hill Circus. You've still got A5 delays round Whipsnade and then the M25. Slow through the roadworks, busy St Albans to Kings Langley and now slow from Watford through to the M40 as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, 8.17. It's Monday the 8th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Three-time Wimbledon champion John McEnroe has backed Andy Murray to win at least six Grand Slam titles after the Scot ended Britain's 77-year wait for a men's singles champion. Councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners, leading to a multi-million pound overspend in the recent revamp of Wolverton Station. In sport, world champion Sebastian Vettel of Milton Keynes-based Red Bull held off the challenge of Lotus drivers Kimi Räikkönen and Roman Grosjean to win his home German Grand Prix for the first time. The weather today embeds hearts and bucks, dry, sunny, hot, similar high temperatures to yesterday. Maximum temperature is 29 degrees. Coming up, we'll be testing the math skills of the people of beds, bucks and hearts. But don't worry, I can't do it either. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counts. Radio. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you Great Guests Julian Clary Welcome to BBC Three Counties Radio Legendary Genesis guitarist Steve Hackett Supertramp frontman Roger Hodgson Carol Decker of Tapau fame joins me now Great Conversations China in Your Hand is about the fragility of your dreams and that you should be careful what you wish for Something very addictive about making people laugh is standing on stage and every few seconds getting that hit of a, of a laugh Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12. On BBC Three Counties Radio. What a nice bit of keyboard there at the end of that. Yeah. I, I would say, I would say, you and I do the best shows, Nick Coffer gets the best trousers. His show is excellent. No, it, no, no, his show is excellent, but let's be honest, we're class. <laughs> um, but Nick Coffer gets the best trails. Pourquoi, pourquoi? He does. He's got very good trails. He's excellent trails. <laughs> and, and a very, very good show. I would give it 7 out of 10. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I've been nasty. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I wouldn't give it that much. I'm joking again. I'm not joining him with no, any I, listen, of this. I'm... Nick Coffer's show is brilliant. But did you hear the one where it's, it's, he's going to be at some garden fete or something? Is nature, there's an orchestra playing it sounds amazing we don't get that the best you get is oh. um coming up on the jvs show i'll be asking about bills <laughs> they do that effect so it sounds like you're on the phone <laughs> so tell me about your broken bed <laughs> they do that don't they 
Why do they do that? Why do they make you sound like you're on a phone or on a medium wave radio? All this time and effort to get us on DAB, <laughs> and then they make the show sound like it comes down a telephone line. Earlier this week, I spoke to Frank Bruno's daughter. Frank Bruno's daughter. Frank Bruno's daughter. Frank Bruno's daughter. Hear what she had to say. Had to say. Had to say. Had to say. That is very funny. It's, it's true. It's true. Um, what's on your show this morning? Oh, oh, you're right. Coming up at big. Uh, no, I just took took it out of me. All that laughter. Then that was. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I was a little worried I might be about to have a seizure. Oh, gosh, no. You've got a jumper on, I've just noticed. It's cold in here, isn't it? It's the second hottest day of the year. It's going to be 30 degrees. Yes, it's nice out there. Not in this overly air-conditioned building. Got a jersey with a T-shirt on. Under. It's like we work in an abattoir in here. It's so cold. In more ways than one. It's like, uh, like a butcher's fridge. Coming up at nine on the big phone-in. Is that... Are you all right? <laughs> butcher's fridge is a lovely phrase. Well, it is so, isn't it? It's like a butcher's fridge. It is, and it, it, mainly because it's blood-stained walls as well. <laughs> <laughs> it stinks of rotting meat. Three Counties Radio. Well, there is a smell at Three Counties Radio. There is a smell there at Three Counties smell. Radio. Getting back to Nick Coffer. Ma- what? You're what? blaming Nick Coffer? No, no, but... Ooh. Anyone that's ever been into our building here, you'll notice there's a foul smell. It, it does stink. No one's ever been able to work out what it is. No. It's in the fabric. Coming up at nine on the big phone-in today, is there ever a good reason to drive children to school? I've been very interested in this story, particularly as a Hertfordshire resident myself. Hearts County Council have introduced a park-and-stride scheme to encourage parents to walk their children to school. The plan, park in a nearby multi-storey car park for free for up to two hours, and then walk the final five minutes to school. It's being trialled at Samuel Lucas, JMI and Hitchin because there's no space in their t- in their own car park and the school's already planning new buildings to take on more pupils. Well, I live in Hertfordshire and I've just had a letter through to say Hertfordshire County Council has been consulting with all the schools mm. and we've got all these proposals. We're going to shut your road. That's one of their ideas. They're going to shut my road. Oh, isn't that nice of them? over my dead body they they want to shut the end of the road so i went they had this consultation at the local junior school last week when i went striding along didn't i as soon as it opened at four o'clock i spoke to the council member i said what's this stupid idea about shutting my road he said well we've been consulting and the parents are saying that it's too busy to cross the road i said oh i see so you're going to shut my road to to mean that everyone has to go all the way around the block to get in and you're doing it because you think that's going to suddenly encourage parents to walk their children to school. Are you stupid? Do you honestly think that's going to stop all the four-by-fours rocking up outside the school, dropping off Tamara and Tarquin for their... Lo- I mean, for goodness sake, what do they think it is? They're, they're shutting roads? They're putting these great big lumpy zebra crossings everywhere? Hertfordshire's going to grind to a halt. All because parents, apparently, are now going to start saying, no, we won't drive the children to school. It's Mm. so safe out there. We'll just let them walk. Or from nine this morning, is there ever a good reason to drive children to school? I want your views. 08459 455 555. They're not, though, are they? They're not. (laughs) Of all the stories, I expected you to get passionate. They're going to shut my road. And angry about. Shut my road. This was not it. I'm livid. I've sent a stinking email. I'll have to drive. It will add about five minutes onto my journey to and from work every day. You should... This is what you need to do. The Consumer Hour, which you know I'm a huge fan of, Mm. ditch it for the next month 
and make this your campaign, JVS's campaign, to stop your road being shut. It's bang out of order. But if I thought it was going to work, I'd be behind it. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Because, the, and you hit on this earlier, the reason that parents drive their children to school is there's a whole host. Mainly, it's easy. Yeah. Uh, B, they kind of, it's part of their day, isn't it? Oh, no, it's okay, because we drop the children off on the way to work, or yep. we drop the children off and, I, and then I go off to the gym after that, or whatever. I drop the children off because, you know, I don't want them to be assaulted by a weirdo or a pervert on the way to... There's all these reasons. <laughs> I don't want the... The roads are too busy. Oh, gosh. You know what I mean? Do you want to start now? I, I'll go and you can I'm do I'm very next. fired up about this. I can tell. From nine, is there ever a good reason to drive children to school? Nine times six. 248. <laughs> <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. He's still banging on about it. Oh, it's going to be worth a listen, isn't it? And he's got Casey Hopkins on, slagging off people uh, with lower class names. It's going to be a fiery show. I suspect there might be some angry phone calls this morning. I suspect there might be some angry phone calls. 08459 455 555. Well, there's a story in the, uh, a lot of the papers that um, nine-year-olds are going to be uh, forced to learn their 12 times tables. I'm surprised. I remember learning my, my times tables at the... Um, about f- I would have been about five years old with Miss Earl. Do you remember the tune? Two times two is four. Three times two is six. Four. That was the tune, wasn't it? Well, how good are you at, uh, 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 maths? Are you any good? Well, I'm joined now by, uh, Emma's from, uh, Bedfordshire. Morning, Emma. Morning. How, uh, oh, Emma, you're a, you're a young person. Can I ask how old you are? I'm 12. You're 12 years old. And um, why aren't you at school? I am at school. Oh, look at you. H- hang on a minute. How are you phoning us from a school? Um, it's not started yet. Oh, nice one. Um, excellent, excellent. Are you a little bit of a SWAT, Emma? Well, um, uh, what does that mean? You don't know what a SWAT is? No. Teacher's pet? Uh, no. <laughs> You're not a teacher's pet. OK. No. Well, Emma, say hello to Colin in Harpenden. Morning, Colin. Morning, Colin. You're Colin. Yes. I suspect you're going to win this, Emma. He doesn't even know his own name. <laughs> Col- Colin, were you a SWAT at school? Not really, no. You're a bit, no you want a teacher's pet? No. OK, we're going to have a, a little maths competition here. I'm just drawing up a, a, a chart here, putting Emma on the left. Colin, you're going to go on the right. Uh, do, do, do you, were you any good at times tables, Colin? Yes. OK. Oh, OK. And, and Emma, do, do you have to learn your times tables like... Two times two is four. Three times two is six. Did you, do you learn it like that? Um, in primary school. Yeah. And is it still the same tune? Mm, not really. What tune do you have these days? Well, like, we don't really learn it anymore. We just do the work now. Well, you just do the work now. OK, right, here we go. So, Emma, your first question. <clears throat> Seven times nine, Emma. Sixty-two. Sixty? Oh, I mean, sixty. Yeah, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that. You you take a little second to get in there. Don't worry. Colin. Yes. Five times seven. Thirty-five. Oy. Emma. Six times twelve. Oh, oh. Seventy. Seventy. Six. Oh God. <coughs> uh, Colin. 72. 72. I, I, you won't get a point for that, Colin, but Emma, you're wrong. Okay. Not, not, not brilliant. Okay. Colin. 
Eleven times eleven. Um. Ooh, <laughs> one, two, one, two, one. Well, say that as a number. Hundred and twenty-one. There we go. Well done. One, two, one. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Emma. Yeah. Nine times six. Um. Oh. Fifty-four. What? Fifty-four. You are awful, Emma. <laughs> you are. I'm going to make you stay in school for the next twenty years of your life. Do you know the answer, Colin? Was it five times? Oh, for, you, for goodness sake, you don't even know the numbers I'm saying out loud. No, oh, hang on a second, hang on a second. 45. Oh, right, hang on a minute. Right, I'm being told, producer Tara, producer Tara, oh, the echo, producer Tara, come on the radio and talk to me. Or your microphone isn't working. Cut. Oh. For goodness sake, this is a, this is descended into fuss. This is blooming um, uh, Jonathan Ross and uh, Russell Brand all over again. Your microphone isn't working for some reason, which is only slightly frustrating. Uh, it turns out you were right, Emma. I'm getting a barrage of tweets and texts and, and people saying you got the answer correct. Yay! So it's t- it's it's, it's two. I can only apologise. This th- these answers were given to me by my team. Right, okay. Colin. Yes. Seven times twelve. Uh, um, 92. 92? 84. No, you got it wrong. You got it wrong. Okay. You, although you may have got it right, considering these answers have been given to me by an idiot. Ooh. I'm not saying you, producer Tara. I'll blame it on some. I'll blame it on Kelly Betts, who's not here. Right, this is it. It's two all. This is the decider. The first one to shout in with the answer is the winner, Okay. Boy, isn't this fun, kids. Emma and Colin, here you go. This is the uh, the tough maths question. The first one to jump in with an answer, uh, well, the right answer, hopefully, will get this right. Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. Nine times four. 20, uh, 38. Emma? 36. Oh, for goodness sake. You got there eventually, Colin. Well done. I it's, know. Yeah, I know. It's three, two to the older generation, Colin. Congratulations, Emma. Oh, for oh, for oh, goodness sakes! Keep going. What is going? No, Emma said thirty-two. I said thirty-six. Oh, uh, Colin, this has yeah. been a, this has been a disaster. This has been a, 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 a farce. You've lost. Emma's can won. I see, can, I show you the, can I show you the trick with a nine times? No, don't show me the trick with a nine times table. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. It's... Three Counties Radio. It's actually a sackable offence. The last five minutes of that radio show are a sackable offence. Travel news for beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Would you get annoyed if I said I got all of them right? Oh, get on with it, Glenn. Listen, I'm probably going to lose my job for that anyway. <laughs> It'll be in the Daily Mail tomorrow. Ian Lee bullies a 12-year-old and then lies to an old man. Use that for the podcast. At Pointers Road in Dunstable, we've got delays through the roadworks. It's looking very slow. At Pointers Road is shut off at the minute for major reconstruction work between the A505 and Ports Avenue at the Woodside Industrial Estate. It's going to be shut until mid-September. Your diversion takes you down the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports. Avenue. Now we did have reports of traffic light failure in Luton on the Dunstable Road. As far as we know, those lights on the B579 are now working again at the junction with Kingsway. M1 looking a bit busy, Luton Airport toward Redbourne Junction 10 to 9. 
the M40 heavy southbound from Stoke and Church toward High Wycombe. You've got patches of traffic on the A1. Black Cat roundabout looking slow, then down to Sandy a bit busy. A1M has long delays from Junction 8 to Hitchin towards 7 at Stevenage. A1 into London, slow Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Then on the M25, it's stop start through the roadworks, busy from the M1 all the way to the M40, Junction 21 to 16, and clockwise queuing up toward the roadworks as well. Trains and tubes running fine. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with the 8.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Three-time Wimbledon champion John McEnroe has backed Andy Murray to win at least six Grand Slam titles after the Scots ended Britain's 77-year wait for a men's singles champion. A Home Office minister says Britain could withdraw from the European Convention on Human Rights after it took eight years for successive governments to deport the extremist cleric Abu Ghattada. And councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners, leading to a multi-million pound overspend in the recent revamp of Wolverton State. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. For the first time in 77 years, Britain has a men's Wimbledon champion. Murray serves. Here it is. Here it is. Forehand from Murray. Backhand from Djokovic. Murray. Murray's the Wimbledon champion. It seems ludicrous to say it. 6 4, 7 5. But a British man has just won Wimbledon. And Andy Murray, 6 4, 7 5, 6 4. He did. Murray beat the world number one Novak Djokovic in straight sets to become the first British men's winner since Fred Perry in 1936. And Murray wasn't the only sportsman to end a personal wait for success on home territory yesterday. The world championship leader Sebastian Vettel of Milton Keynes-based Red Bull won the German Grand Prix. To have so many people the whole weekend uh, cheering for you and then especially once the the flag came out to cross the line first and uh, to see on the way in. Uh, the support, uh, you know, especially around turn seven, there were so many people. It's a little bit like a stadium there, so try to obviously um, take it all in and uh, enjoy that. And that's something that I, I think, uh, hopefully one day I can I can tell my my grandchild grandchildren. <laughs> the Lotuses of Kimi Raikkonen and Roman Grosjean were second and third. Lewis Hamilton faded from pole position to finish fifth. However, Red Bull were fined £26,000 after a loose wheel from Mark Webber's car hit a TV cameraman in the pit lane. He suffered a broken shoulder and cracked ribs. In football, Watford played their first pre-season friendly in Italy yesterday and won emphatically. The Hornets beat Valvanosta 5-0. And MK Dons play their first pre-season friendly tonight. They'll take on St James's Gate in Ireland. And that's the latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, here's my philosophy. Just pretend the last ten minutes never happened and move on. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Here until nine o'clock, then JVS will take over. He's angry today. I, uh, I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I suspect there will be a few fights on the air, so definitely worth a listen. In the last 30 minutes, more maths, more Andy Murray, and uh, we'll also be talking uh, about uh, school parking. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, we have been focusing on the school run in Beds, Hearts and Bucks this morning, with residents in part of Hitchin unhappy about a park and stride scheme attached to the planned expansion of a nearby school. Similar projects have been considered in other areas of the three counties, including Bedford. Well, the school run is a problem all across the three counties. Motoring journalist Quentin Wilson had this to say to me earlier. I'm head of school run in our house and it is the most stressful 
stressful part of the day and you've got to get there exactly the right time otherwise you have to queue and then if you park your car a quarter of a mile away you come back it's got a parking ticket um and then walking the kids across a busy junction it is difficult now this professor um uh, john ashton who said look this this could help cure the nation's obesity crisis and and we'll we'll, we'll make them so slim it'll be wonderful but you know we, we do that by stopping eating them rubbish or, um, getting them to eat rubbish food and and this is you know if you're if you're to have car parks special car parks this is going to cost an awful lot of money well, that was uh, Quentin Wilson talking to me earlier on. Joined now by Councillor Charles Royden, Bedford Borough Council's portfolio holder for transport and highways, and he's looked at ways to make the school run easier for everyone. Morning, Charles. How much of a contentious issue is parking outside schools? Well, it's very contentious um, because parents do want to park their vehicles right outside the school, and if I can take issue with Quentin, um, the idea of parents parking their vehicles quarter a mile away and get a parking ticket is ridiculous. What we're talking about is parents who park their cars literally on the zigzags outside schools and when they do that they put children's lives at risk and you can't allow people to do that that's that's really wrong and we've been trying to get that message across in bedford and we've been trying to promote a lot of schemes which will uh, hopefully allow children to be able to get to school on their own uh, when they're old enough and uh, and cut down on the congestion which we see around schools but parents and, and people are lazy and they like convenience and they like just dropping going past their school dropping the kids off and driving yeah. on yeah. they're not going to take part in a park and stride scheme are they oh walking buses have been quite popular in bedford over the years i'm not sure how many we've got left at the moment but there are some, some certainly some informal schemes and schools are encouraged to do that if a group of parents can get together and walk their kids to school instead of taking a car that's a good idea how many of those right schemes there. are going i'm not sure how many are going at the moment we we certainly had two in my my own ward in Brickhill, um, but I know of informal schemes which are going on in Brickhill. Even, they're not organised by the council, but uh, parents get together and they, they take, a, uh, take it in turns. And that's a good idea. There'll be a few of them doing it, but it's, it's, it's not going to be more than a handful of kids, is it? It's, it's, it's not a massive programme. I wish it was. And, you know, one of the, we've just bought, built a new school in Bedford, and one of the things that we did was to build a very large car park next to it at Great Denham, where parents can park free of charge and walk their children to school. It's not that we, you know, want to preclude cars. We're not anti-car in Bedford. Very, very much to the contrary. Um, but what we have often in places is schools in built-up areas where you can't build new car parks, and you just have to try and ask parents to be sensible and, and not park right outside the school gates. And when they do that, then obviously we, we are compelled to give them tickets because you're putting children's lives at risk. You've got um, camera buses, haven't you, to monitor the daily camera school cars. run? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Camera cars. Yeah, they, they go around, and, um, and if someone's parked on the zigzags, and we're talking about, you know, right in close proximity to the school, um, then they will issue a ticket I- I- immediately. I mean, I was in, I was in school in, in Brickhill um, only uh, two weeks ago, and I was with a, a young young man who was in a wheelchair, and he'd been in a wheelchair for, for, for quite a considerable time, and I looked at his leg, and it was really mangled, and, and he'd been run over, you know, coming home from school, and when you see that kind of thing, it makes you realise that it's, it's worth just parking a car just a little bit away from the school, just to, to make the roads a bit safer. What other um, plans are you looking at to make the school run uh, a little better? I'll tell you what I'm asking, uh, JVS who's on after me at nine o'clock, he lives in Hertfordshire, yeah. and they are planning to close his road uh, at the drop-off and pick-up times. Yeah. OK, that sounds anti-car. I mean, it's it just on the face of it. I don't know the situation. It sounds anti-car, and we are absolutely not anti-car. We are pro-walking, we're pro-cycling. So what we'll do is we've got a road safety officer who'll go out to schools, who'll advise schools on what they can do. We operate events such as Captain Safety, which um, encourage children to walk to school safely. Uh, we employ a team of school crossing patrols across the borough. Um, we'll also do lots of other events, such as um, a walk to school week, which we hold in, a, a, in May and October every year. 
So, you know, we've got to try and encourage people to use bicycles, to use cars. In 1985, two-thirds of primary school children walked to school, and now it's less than half. Now, that's not great. We want to try and encourage people to walk. But you don't do it by being nasty to car drivers. That's just going to make everyone really, really cross, and they'll go the other way. Charles, thank you very much. Charles Royden, Bedford Borough Council's portfolio holder for transport and highways. I didn't mean to play that, but it's as apt as anything, considering where we're going next. We're going to catch up with our sports team of Jeff Doyle and Luke Ashmead. That's not the noise they're making, although I suspect it's not much more manly than that. Uh, They are cycling the length of the Olympic torch relay route. Oh, they can hear me. Twelve months on, they left Bedford International Athletic Stadium early this morning. Oh, oh dear. Whereabouts are you now, chaps? That's very, very... uh, That's painting a horrible image in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm do that that. No, I'm never doing that Listen, again for the rest of my life. We're well ahead of the schedule now. Yep. We've already made it to Letchworth. Oh, as part of the high fives all round. We were supposedly en route to here. We're going great guns, Luke. Eh? Yeah, really, really good. I mean, that last section. I found that last section very easy. What in the car? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sat in the front seat of the radio car. It was uh, the uphill bits. I thought, you know, we did really well. Yes. Why? Uh, yeah, why are you not both riding to together, you two lightweights? Well, it's a hot day, isn't it? We've got two days of this in. It's, you know, it's miles and miles and miles. We've got to rest our weary legs every now and again. But I was helped on that last leg from Cotton End to Letchworth by these gang. Now, the Bedford cyclists are gradually leaving us to actually go and do some proper work in. They've now got to go and do their day jobs. But I was just stuck behind some of these guys who were dragging me along. That wasn't a bad route, was it? That was fine. It was a bit traffic at this time of day, but it was it was okay. It was straightforward. How fast were we going? I thought we were absolutely bombing it, but you'll probably now tell me it was just a nice, gentle pace. It was, it was fairly gentle. <laughs> fairly yeah, very gentle. gentle. Oh, it, was, it was pretty gentle. Oh, they've... Uh, champion. Oh. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, where, where have you been recently? Uh, I was in France in May. No, nope, we, it, it would it would seem we've lost them. Well, Luke, Jeff, we've lost you. We'll try and get you back. Follow um, at BBC Three CR on Twitter. I, I tell you why. A picture has been posted of uh, Luke and Jeff on their Herculean uh, task, and Jeff Jeff is a is a lovely bloke. He enough dress weird though. He does. Now I tell you why. He's got shorts on. And they've both got fluorescent jackets. Well done. You have to. The people are asking why they're fluorescent jackets. BBC Health and Safety. But he's also wearing socks. That's fine. And flip-flops. He's we- are, you, are you there? Oh, they can hear me again. Look, every time I go and slag them off, I get told they can hear me. You're wearing socks and <laughs> flip-flops, Luke. What's that all about? And in the office the other day, I don't want to be rude, you were wearing a lovely suit. No socks and flip-flops. For goodness sakes, man. Ian, I have tried to tell him. Now, when you see me in and around the office, you may not think, hey, there's a, a, you know, a fine specimen of health, but you, you do think he's got style. You've, you know, got, you've got style, Luke, definitely. Jeff, Jeff is the criminal here with the sandals. <laughs> totally, yeah, his sandals, flip-flops, some of the shirts he wears. In fact, most of the shirts he wears are just freebies, to be totally honest with you. There we go. We're by the swimming pool, aren't we, here in Letchworth? So this is Norton Common. This is our second location. Um, oh, well, our third location after Bedford. Uh, this is the outdoor swimming pool, which I think, Ian, will get some decent use today as well. Uh, we've got four cyclists left. Uh, they're going to come over to us, because I think where we were was a little bit of a hole. Uh, today is all about finding out, for the rest of today, uh, as the, as the programmes continue on Three Counties, an opportunity to look at the legacy of the Torch Relay and, indeed, the Olympic Games. OK, well, we... we 
we keep losing you, gentlemen. I do apologise. Uh, just, just to clarify, I may have got it slightly wrong. It's Jeff Doyle who uh, has awful taste in footwear. Socks and sandals. He had a lovely suit on the other day. Fantastic salmon shirt. And he had no socks on and sandals. And I was sat in the, 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 the office just staring at his feet. I don't want to stare at a man's feet. That's sexual harassment. You wait in 30 years' time, there'll be court cases against him because of that. Right, that's it. We'll, uh, they'll be, you can join them for the rest of the day and uh, find out exactly what's going on. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun if they can find someone that's got a signal. Boys, find someone that's got a signal and we'll uh, speak to you a little bit later on. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We'll be speaking to Justin Dealey in a little bit. I know you've not missed him. He's been away. He's back. He's a very odd colour. Isn't it strange? Even stranger than maybe it's just because we're used to seeing him wearing a fake tan, and this is a genuine tan. We'll be speaking to him later on and finding out if uh, the residents of Beds, Hearts, and Bucks are any good at their times tables. But first, here's Adam. Travel news for Beds, Hearts, and Bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Slow moving on the A1 from Eaton Soken toward the Black Cat Roundabout, then again as you continue south through Sandy. A bit busy then on the A1M from Hitchin towards Stevenage, and the A602 into Stevenage is looking a little bit slow as well around Aston. You might also find some delays as you go along the A602 to and from Hitchin, and the A505 a bit slow along Beach Hill as you go past Offley and in toward Luton. Things moving quite slowly on the M1 in patches from Junction 10, the Luton Airport Spur toward 9 at Redbourne's a little bit slow. You've got a fair bit of traffic on the A5 in Dunstable, around Houghton Regis, through Dunstable, down towards Markgate, and taking a look at the Pointers Road. In Carry on, Adam, I just hit something with my elbow. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, Pointers Road, it, it psyched me out slightly. Pointers Road in Dunstable, we have delays because of the roadworks. Pointers Road is shut for major reconstruction works between the A505 and the Woodside Industrial Estate. It's going to be shut until September. The diversion takes you along the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue, all of which are looking quite slow. Plenty of M25 traffic slow through the roadworks, indeed slow on the approach to the roadworks as well near Chesant, then busy as you come from the M1 round toward the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. And it just goes to show, whereas I'm a clumsy fool user, are a consummate professional. Right, 8.46, it's Monday the 8th of July, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Three-time Wimbledon champion John McEnroe has backed Andy Murray to win at least six Grand Slam titles after the Scot ended Britain's 77-year wait for a men's singles champion. Councillors in Milton Keynes are being accused of pressurising officers into cutting corners, leading to a multi-million pound overspend in the recent revamp of Wolverton Station. In sport, world champion Sebastian Vettel of Red Bull held off the challenge to win his home German Grand Prix for the first time. Coming up, Justin Dealey has been quizzing you about your times tables this morning. We'll hear how you did, but before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you once more. We've still got some mist patches towards parts of Bedfordshire, but that should disperse over the next couple of hours or so. A little bit of cloud out there, but otherwise it's going to be warm, dry and sunny. Plenty more sunshine around for the rest of the day, just about everywhere across the three counties. In fact, the only clouds in the sky would just be those funny aeroplane trails, I think, at times. Temperatures on a par to what we saw yesterday. Now we're up between 26 and possibly 28 degrees Celsius. The best of the temperatures, I think, say, for parts of... uh, 
Western Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire today. So eight, uh, 28 in Celsius is, of course, 82 in Fahrenheit. Just a light northeasterly breeze. A beautiful evening tonight. And then overnight tonight, a very similar night to what we saw last night. Some mist and fog patches forming again into tomorrow morning. Temperatures dropping to between 12 and 16 degrees. So quite uncomfortable, I think, for some of us, particularly in the town centres. And then for tomorrow, more of the same, more sunshine around again, feeling very warm, even hot. It will be cooler and cloudier on Wednesday. Just a minor blip. The temperatures will be back up again on Thursday. That's the forecast. Every weekday morning, questions are asked. What should the government do next to stop people smoking? Who do you blame for our failing high streets? Opinions are formed. There is no place in a civilised society for people like that. They should get real. Part of me says it is wrong. And you get to have your say. I think the whole thing is absolute garbage, frankly. Join in with the big phone-in from Nine. Not everyone will agree. What an interesting conversation. The JVS Show. Weekday mornings from Nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's the big story of the day. Andy Murray recovering after the Wimbledon ball where he will have had the best seat at the table. He won it, of course. He beat the world number one in straight sets, but he also had to cope with the extraordinary pressure of trying to bring to an end the nation's 77-year-long wait for another men's Wimbledon champion. Well, after the match, Murray spoke about the problems of being the standard bearer for British tennis. The last four or five years, it's been very tough, very stressful... I think because it's just kind of everywhere you go, it's so hard to avoid everything because of how big this event is, but also because of the history and not no Brit having won. It's been very, very difficult. I think now it will become easier. I hope it. I hope it will. Well, just how does someone cope with the weight that weight of expectation and still succeed? Joined now by John Brewer, professor of sports science at the University of Bedfordshire. Is it a massive amount of pressure? This the British man hasn't won it for seventy-seven years. Will Andy have been feeling that pressure? I'm sure he will have been. But the one thing that I think, if you look at Andy Murray over the years that he's developed here, his mental toughness, his, his physical stature has changed. We can see that. But mentally, he's now a much tougher person, and I think that covers both off-court in the preparation for a tournament like Wimbledon, being able to cope with the pressure, the demands that the whole of the British public are putting on him. But I think he's able to live in his own bubble as well and he puts pressure on himself because that's what all top-level athletes do. But we saw that almost magnified to the intense pressure that he was then under in that final game that I think lasted for about 10 minutes when Mm. clearly, and I think I was listening to some commentators this morning, saying that had he lost that game, he could well have lost the whole match. So even though he was two sets to love up at the time. So I think he's able to cope with pressure but physically he's able to cope with the demands of, of the tournament as well and I remember Andy Murray when he first came on the scene um, in the Queen's tournament in 2005 where he was a great technical player but physically he was lacking and mm. you may remember oh, he, he's, he's buffed yeah. up hasn't oh, he? enormously yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but not only, that, not only that he was suffering from cramp and if you remember one of his biggest problems was he was getting muscle cramps leg cramps during games because physically he wasn't able to cope you know that game was played yesterday in 14 I think they said nearly 50 degrees of, of heat mm. at some point that's enough to sap the energy of anybody but he was able to cope with that and come out on top against a guy who was a great opponent in Novak Djokovic how does someone th- there are 15,000 people in that stadium mm. how does someone Someone switch that off, or do they not switch it off? Are they are they kind of you know using the the crowd to, to help them? I think it's a combination of the two. I think mm. you're aware of it, but absolutely you have to switch off. Or you have to focus. They do a lot of work with sports psychologists at the top level now. There are sports psychologists who work with 
many of the top sports people and they will condition them to really literally just focus on the task in hand focus on getting the serve in and thinking about what the next stroke will be and and that enables them to shut out the peripheral noise but at the same time to be aware that it is it is there and to feed on it and to help give them that extra incentive and and uh, I saw Andy Murray getting a little bit stroppy when they were going to close the roof mm. in his semi-final. Oh, no, don't close the roof. Yeah. He, he got a little bit an, uh, annoyed. I, I thought he overreacted, but is it, I guess he's, he's caught up in the, the emotion yes, of what's going is. on. Yes, it is. And, you know, he'd won five games on the trot in the semi-final. He didn't want the roof closed. On the other hand, as the light starts to go and his opponent, the Polish chap, was, was firing down serves at 140 miles an hour, I think I would have preferred all the light I could get in order to, to see the tennis ball. So I think, yeah, it shows that he was absolutely in the zone, he was winning games uh, and he didn't want it to be stopped and to break that rhythm. What he then needed to do was to go away, put that to one side, put the disappointment to one side, refocus and come out and start all over again, which was what he actually, you know, what he did and we saw that very well. Ivan Lendl's his coach. Mm. What, what's, what's Lendl doing differently from other coaches? I think the first thing to, to bear in mind is that you have to have anybody, or anybody who's going to win Wimbledon has to have great talent and great mental dedication. The coach can make that extra 2 or 3% of difference that mm. is the difference between winning the tournament, as we've just seen, or going out in the semis or the quarters. I think what Lendl has done is changed his mental approach, changed his physical approach, approach and get him to believe in his own ability and get him to believe that he can actually win major tournaments he's won the US he's now won Wimbledon and hopefully this will just be the start and we'll see now a period of domination and just broadening the discussion out a little bit more what I really hope is that we now do genuinely start to see some talented British players coming through to follow on from Murray because we had the Henman era yeah. we had the Murray era I'm just slightly concerned that with the exception of Laura Robson in the, in the ladies we've got, no one, else we've coming got up. no one else coming through and very quickly will we see that because it, that, that we, we were talking about this last week that tennis is viewed as an elitist sport you mm. can't just grab a ball and go for no. a kick around you know in in the park it, it's a bit specialist isn't and it? it's been a perennial problem a good friend of mine Roger Draper has been the chief executive of the LTA for many years Roger is standing down I think he's done a good job in getting the sport to become more accessible they are now about to appoint a new CEO let's hope that with the post 2012 Olympic legacy with the success that Andy Murray has had mm-hmm. it will now inspire a new generation of young people to pick up a tennis rack and racket and have a go but and it's the same problem in america as you rightly say it is becoming what well, has become slightly elitist we want to make sure that it's a, a low cost low entry cost sport so that kids from all walks of life can have a go at becoming the next andy murray john brewer professor of sports science university of bedfordshire thank you very much for coming in yeah, nice to be go out enjoy the sun for goodness indeed. sakes right now this morning we'll squeeze this in before the end we've uh, been talking about times tables i won't put you on the spot and ask you any maths don't you worry about that michael gove says every nine-year-old should know their 12 times tables by heart. Well, I asked Justin Dealey to go out and find out how good you are at your times tables. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. I have to say, the last time we did this, people were absolutely dreadful yep. in Lucent, but today the quality has been incredibly high. I've been asking people about their times table, putting people on the spot, and this is what happened. Morning, sir. What's your name? It's Gavin Hale. Gavin, are you ready to take the maths question I'm about to set you? You can go, yes. You don't look very confident. <laughs> Early morning. Let's give it a go. Right, okay. What is 12 times 3? 36. You think you're good, don't you? Okay. Yeah. All right, then 12 times 3 minus 4 divided by 2. 16, oh, 18. He's almost there then. 16. That was pretty quick. At school, were you an A star math student? No. 
be. <laughs> Here we have a very glamorous lady in her sunglasses. What's your name, madam? It's Carol. Carol, this weather, how great is this weather? It's fabulous. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? It's too good to be at work. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you was at school, were you any good at maths? No. See, I was dreadful, but I blame that on the fact I had a very attractive maths teacher. What was your excuse? My maths teacher told me I was stupid. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Possibly true. <laughs> your word's not mine. So here is your question for you. What is 12 times 6? 72. Now, your teacher must have got this horribly wrong. That was very, very quick. Can I just confirm, for the purpose of this broadcast, I didn't give you that question in advance, did I? You didn't. I've come on in the world since then. I am staggered by that. OK, 9 times 12. Is 108. 9 times 12 minus 10. Is 98. 9 times 12 minus 22. Let's not get carried away here. It's first thing on a Monday morning. <laughs> morning, sir. What's your name? Morning, Phil. Random question for you. 6 times 6? 36. 12 times 3? 12 times 3? 36. 9 times 12? 9 times uh, 96. Keep going. 84. Keep going. <laughs> You're, <joking. laughs> You're not going to work until you've answered this question, right, OK? OK, OK. 9 times 12? 9 times 12. Just thinking about my breakfast, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> 96. 96. 96. 108. 108. Well, hey, well done. Congratulations. Your fingers, you realise that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, that poor bloke, Justin. Why is he poor? Oh, well. Oh. Come on, why? How long did that go on for? Um, unedited about, what, four and a half minutes? <laughs> oh, no! Bless him. Naughty dealy. I know, I know. So the reason you weren't good at maths is because your math teacher was hot? Yes, uh, she was very hot. I've got no oh, idea what her name was. Uh, yep. That slipped my memory. She was known as Misfit. Oh, dear. Really? Yeah, and she was as well. Oh, for goodness sakes, Justin. <laughs> it's very un- uh, uh, unpleasant, this. But thank you very much for that this morning. Yes, thank you, Ian. Eight times seven. Uh, eight times seven is... Uh, how long could this go on for? Eight times seven is... Um, eight times... You trying to get the app up on your phone, are you? No, eight times... You trying to get the little app up? Uh, you're putting me under pressure now. That would be, what, 56? Oh, well done, Justin, for either looking at that on a piece of paper or working <laughs> out how to use a calculator on your telephone. No, not at all. Not at all. Justin Daly, nice to have you back. Yeah, thanks, boss. You, you, you turning up tomorrow? Uh, yes, I'll be here tomorrow. Even, um, even more browner than normal, white boy. Even more browner than normal, white boy. Wow. Uh, <laughs> if you want to send me an email, not to complain about anything you've heard today, please, it's just, you know, email that to my boss. But if you want to send me an email with uh, anything that you think we should be talking about on the show, uh, the email address, ian.lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E, at bbc.co.uk. I'll get all your emails and have a little look. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still delays this morning through Dunstable on Pointers Road. It's looking very slow. We have the closure of Pointers Road for major roadworks. They're starting those today and they're going to be ongoing all the way through until September. It is shut off between the A505 at the Tesco Roundabout and the Woodside Industrial Estate. It means you have to divert along the A505 
Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. It's looking quite slow along the A505 at the minute. A bit slow into Luton on the A6 as you come down from Barton the Clay. Mainly it's just as you get into Luton. A5 through Dunstable's looking slow. Short delay coming up to the Little Chef roundabout near to Bletchley and Milton Keynes as well. A41 from Hemel Hempstead down toward the M25 is busy. Short delay on the A414 in Hartford and the A1 generally looking a bit better than it was. Still a bit slow at the Black Cat roundabout. Maybe a bit busy on the A1M but certainly as you make your way into London it's looking a little bit better. Plenty of M25 traffic though it's slow into and through the roadworks anti-clockwise past junction 25 and then it's quite busy from the M1 at junction 21 round to the M40 at junction 16. Trains and tubes though running nicely. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam. Right, that's it, that's your lot. Don't forget, go to iTunes or the BBC podcast page and download this uh, podcast. The best of. I'll be back tomorrow at six. JBS is up next. Until tomorrow, from me, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Monday, the sun is shining, and on this morning's big phone-in, is there ever a good reason to drive children to school?